I'd like to understand how the lore on this one works because the fact of whether or not I am dead, the jury's still out. The fact of whether or not I'm undead is definitive. Well, so the I got to undead without dying potentially. This So I don't think of things that are undead like so zombies and the undead aren't the same thing. Okay. Vampires are undead. They are they are things that were dead and now don't necessarily qualify as dead. Zombies, however, because they don't have any higher intelligence or anything, are still dead. They're just animated. Like a um like a lich or something is undead. It's it's a lot it's not alive again, but it doesn't really qualify as dead because it's capable of thought and activity and okay. can carry out its goals. Like if to put it in Witcher terms as well, like you have those ghouls and you have the drowners and stuff like that. You have feral kind of risen corpses that are still that by that measure are undead at that point though because they have feral instincts like zombies are just kind of they're driven by one thing or their mind control like from a fantasy perspective you kill the caster or the device that brings the zombies back they just fall over dead in theory in like a walking dead sense you could cure the virus or whatever and that would then stop that too like there's a way of stopping the spread like the other difference is if an undead bites you, it doesn't turn you into an undead. If a zombie bites you, it is passed along the mm -hmm. pathogen or the curse or whatever, and you become some, un. In D&D, &D, or at least in Pathfinder, with necromancy rules, because you can have a necromancer. Yeah. If you kill or disrupt the necromancer, the zombies don't die. They just completely lose control of them. So it can be very funny when a player character, like, yeah. you know how you left two zombies to guard the door? Yeah. Well, you are two inches out of range, so they just both fucked off. <laughs> yeah, it, but you're now touching on kind of where my idea of what undead versus mm -hmm. a zombie comes from. Like, it's... Uh, yeah. Like, uh, in a weird example, the Dark Souls games, you are, tech, mm -hmm. you are playing an undead character. You're part of the undead mm -hmm. curse. You're not alive anymore, which is why you can die over and over and over and over and over and come back, but... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, it's one of those things where it's like, as yes, you hollow out, you become a zombie because you lose your purpose. Like, eventually it goes from, like, I have goals and ambitions and motivations and thoughts to... Hello and welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast, episode 75, the real 75, not the lost 75. We had a 75 last week, but those responsible for it are no longer with us because, well, they mm. had to be dealt with. Yes, and uh, uh, I hope they feel bad for what they did. Hmm. Shame and punishment, and maybe slight amounts of murder. But yes, hi, I'm Charlie, a.k.a. Mordak, the guy behind Much of Something Wicked Studios, and I'm joined this week just by Jeff, a.k.a. Unvader Gur. No Alex. He knows <laughs> it's a, uh, a co-founder's cast for the podcast. No. Yeah, we haven't done one of these oh. in a while. It does seem like every time we hit a milestone, like 25 or 50 or 75, which is this one, Something happens where it's like, hey, it's just <laughs> us again. Okay. Are just the two I mean, of us? We... Yeah, that was great. 
only two audio files to manage and two <laughs> points to deal with. I think with 25, it was just us at that point still. 58, I think, we'd brought on Alex. Yeah, we we uh, hadn't staffed up man, at that I point. Even, I don't even know exactly which number of episode Alex signed on with, which is information he should probably gather. Um... <laughs> Because he was on a couple ones early on as a test run, and then when he had his, when he got a schedule change, then it was mm-hmm. full time later on. But yeah, yeah. Oh. Oh, good. Well, because only two yep. of us this week, I guess I'll go first. And I uh, we met. We're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about this some last week because I was coming directly from my uh, Destiny launch stream to the podcast. But um, I've been playing a shit ton of Destiny. I. I I feel like you've sold that short. Yeah, I we're, we're gonna get to that in a second though, because I've also been. Well, I mean, I mean, is it a fuckload, a shit ton, metric shit ton, uh, English fuckload? Uh, so as of recording this podcast, the game has been out officially for a week. I have easily maybe put a hundred hours into that game already. So we're talking. A NPT standard fuck ton. I don't know why I picked National Pipe Threat I, as my as my number. I think we're just, sure. I think we're just talking a regular Charlie amount of Destiny time per week when there's new content. So that uh, we've just discovered a new figure of like measure. It's like shitload fuck ton Charlie des- first week of standard Destiny, Destiny time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I have. Alex is sadly not here to talk more about Destiny, uh, but well, have to suffice. Jeff will have to suffice, <laughs> but we're actually going to talk about another game first. I've, I've also been playing more of that uh, Mario vs. Rabbids game, and I think I will not be playing that game again until I find myself on a long plane ride. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of hoping something better comes out. Like The first two and a half worlds of that game are fun, and then it got a little repetitive and there's some kind of like puzzle platforming stuff in between the XCOM missions and that's bad. And some of the gimmicky stuff started to grate on me some and I, I started hitting a point where the game's like, Hey, um, all those strategies you've perfected and worked on and have like locked in for how you handle situations. We're just going to start throwing stuff at you that breaks those and feels cheap as fuck. But it will be cute. It's inter- so you- say it's interesting watching what I refer to as Wii U Stockholm syndrome in motion, which is the I'm playing Mario Rabbits. What, were you ever interested in that game? No, I've just played through all the other games worth talking about available for this system. Yeah, and I, not to not to have there is a certain level of that. Absolutely, I do occasionally buy a game. I I was curious because this game should have been an outright train wreck and the reality is the game's fine i'm not sure it's cool yeah it's it's it, it on a three out on a one out of five scale kind of thing it's a three it's a fine game i'm not sure i'd call it good but like it's it doesn't have problems it's just not as good as it could be like to take a step back it's way better than it has any right to be because it features rabbits like this is the least annoying rabbits game out there it's like the flop house. The worst thing a movie can be is boring. Yeah, and outright bad or outright good are both acceptable. Yeah, but boring is just eh. Yeah, I think that's a good way of describing it. It's a it's a 
And it's weird because it starts off incredibly strong, and that may have just been me going in being like, this is going to be a fucking train wreck. And it's it's fine. Like, it's serviceable. It's If you're into that kind of game, I suspect you'll like it. But at the same time, like, I can't justify to myself playing more of it because it's like, it's... Do you like the game? Eh. It's it's good in, like, short bursts. Like, when I... I I was playing it a bunch during my lunch break because I could get like through a, I could get through like one or two uh, bites per lunch break. And I'm like, yeah, that, this is a good way to play this game. And then I sat down and played like an hour of it straight, and I was like, this is less good. Mm-hmm. This gets highly small bites are the correct amount. Yeah, it's this is not me trying to imply the Switch is a mobile is is akin to like a phone. It's got that kind of issue a lot of phone games have where it's fun, like, for a subway ride. I'm not sure I'd ever want to sit down and play, like, eight hours. Monument Valley is a game for the phone I think is fantastic. Don't play that game through in one shot, because then it's like, oh, this is shitty. That's that, that's not fair. That game's pretty cool no matter what you do. But, like, it's it's meant to be played. It is much better when you do it in, like, ten-minute increments. You, like, do one puzzle, get off the subway, go about your day, go home do another puzzle kind of thing. It's like you play it in chunks. And this game definitely has that issue where it's much better in chunks because when you're playing more of those chunks at once, you start realizing like, hey, this is kind of super repetitive. And yeah, I played three of those mission types I fucking hate. And yeah. Mm-hmm. In my head, I was trying to compare it to like the Vita for portability. And I'm realizing very quickly that that everything is just 100 degrees the inverse where it's like on the vita should you play eight hours in a row yeah sure if you want to most of these games were already financial successes on the playstation 2 and 3 yeah like or is there mobile stuff yeah it exists if you want like onesie twosie tetrisy kind of drop in drop out fast flashing light stuff that exists too yeah i so my point is get a vita not switch (laughs) that's kind of it's getting harder and harder to do like it's the exact opposite of persona where it's it's a it's a game where, like, Persona 4 Golden on the Vita, you ask so many questions like, why the fuck would you do this? Why is this on the PS3 kind of thing? Rabbids, you're not asking that question. It's like, yeah, this totally makes sense. It's on a mobile platform. Mm-hmm. I would want to sit down and play 12 hours of this in a row anyway. Yeah. I kind of definitely enjoy much more games that are designed for, like, you know, or if I'm playing mobile a mobile game, it's, oh, this was a financial success on a console you were anticipated to sit around for, like, eight hours. Whereas, like, you're describing, it's like, the mechanics are built around the idea that you're not going to sit here. I, they're I extremely repetitive, but they're probably instant rewarding. I don't think the game was designed to do that. It just works better that way because it breaks up okay. kind of some of the repetition. Like, it, if you're playing it in 20-minute bursts, you don't have enough time then for you to go, oh, wait, didn't I do this mission already? No, it's slightly different. Oh, okay. Okay. It's like the open world filler shit in a um open world game at that point, kind of, where it's like, wait, how how many more balloons do I have to collect? Mm-hmm. Isn't one balloon enough? Hmm. Depends on how heavy the thing you're floating is. Yeah, I. It's weird because like it's a Switch game and it's not a bad Switch game. Like if you're if you're into XCOM, I suspect you'll be into it longer than I was. It's very easy for an XCOM game, and 
when it gets harder, it doesn't necessarily get harder in a good way. It gets harder in kind of a, well, I'll, I'll be blunt, a cheap-feeling way, so, eh. Yeah. That'd be interesting to see, because, I mean, as far as XCOM games go, XCOM's a solid-as-shit fucking game. Yeah. I have some beef with it, but it's purely based on the number generator in that game. Oh, yeah, that thing can be a bit drunk. I Drunk's not... Drunk looks out its window and judges what that number generator does. Yeah, but it, like all the other things it does, like motion in the game feels good. A lot of like it does force you to play tactical, and there yeah. is like stakes involved, and the storyline isn't terrible, and the base building is rewarding. Like yeah, XCOM, I I think they built a very or for being the game that designed the, uh, that defined the genre, I guess. They really did a good job of building a, a rest of a game that was worth playing. Yeah, no, it's, like I said, uh, Mario vs. Rabbids is significantly better than it has any fucking right to be. Like, it's... Because it's it should be terrible. It, it, on paper, if you're describing this game, it's like, what fucking fever dream essay am I reading right now? Like, who would make this? Who would sign off on this? You gave Mario a gun? The fuck? and put them in a game with a bunch of rabbits, the worst Ubisoft creation to date, because they're like the minions from Universal? Okay. And they're pretending to be Mario characters? Yeah. And I'm following a Roomba around? Yeah, basically. What? Hmm. It starts making Katamari Damacy on paper look logical. Katamari Damacy on paper is totally logical. You just have to... It, that game's <laughs> motivations and explanations for things totally track. It's the rest of it that makes it seem nonsensical. Like, the idea of my dad gets drunk, destroys the universe, and he says he's a shit dad, makes me fix it. That's the plot of Katamari Damacy. That's a simple plot. Very mm -hmm. easy to explain. Fair. Several indie... No cross-dressing uh, as Mario characters was involved in and this. Basically, yeah. Like, no... Like, no pre-established uh, IP characters. That whole form of uh, communication is to yell. Because that's mm -hmm. what rabbits are. Like, Katamari Damacy didn't show up after ruining a classic platformer franchise. Like, it didn't come fresh off, like, bashing Rayman's skull in to be a thing that people apparently liked, but no one I knew did. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, people love the rabbits. I'm like, who? Bring me these people. I, I want to meet them. I need to I know have who so these are. so many questions. Yeah. What's wrong with you being the <laughs> first? Do you like the minions from Despicable Me too? You're the people that saw that movie. <laughs> Pretty much. Are you the people that think of their gerbils as their children? Not dogs. Gerbils. <laughs> But I digress. I name all the ants. That's a. <laughs> I wish I could describe the look that Charlie just gave me for that comment. That's a. That's a whole new level of crazy. Yeah, I was like, your entire skull leaned forward to let your eyeballs fall the rest of the way out of your head, so that they could then roll backwards at me. <laughs> I am a prolific eye roller. I'm the only person I know of that when I roll my eyes, it makes an inaudible sound. <laughs> like, even if you're not looking at me, you know the sound of eye rolling just happened. Your eyes have fully effects. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. But, yeah, I, I, 
the game I've been playing a lot more of and have been quite happy with uh, is Destiny 2. And I'm going to get this one right out. I'm going to cover kind of a weird topic right off the bat and follow me on this one for a second. I, mm -hmm. I will be playing a stupid number of hours of Destiny before the end of the year. If we did a game of the year that was top five and not just a top three, I could maybe argue Destiny into the into like the fifth slot. But like, let's get this one out of here. Like before, I'm a rabid Destiny fanboy in some ways. This is by far not the best game I've played this year. It's really, it, and that, so that's where it gets weirder. Like it's that's exactly why I started off with this. It's Destiny 2. It is literally all they had to do to make me happy with Destiny 2 was make more of the parts of Destiny 1 I liked. And mm -hmm. they very successfully have done that. And they fixed a bunch of the issues I had with Destiny 1. Like, I put in over a thousand hours into Destiny 1. At no point in time was I not aware of that game's shortcomings. And Destiny 2 has a couple of those shortcomings still, but also brings some new ones to the table. And ditches some of the old ones it's it's a flawed game it's got very few flaws but by the very nature of what that game is it's inherently got some issues that are kind of worth addressing in some weird ways i what's kind of cool and also kind of super annoying is destiny 2 is two games in one box and it's the first like 10 50, i think the campaign's about 10 hours long it took me about one day of streaming and then probably a night of yeah i think it's about 10 hours long give or take some depending on how aggressively you play and maybe if you're streaming or not and the correct way to play destiny 2 out of the box is just fucking do the campaign don't do anything else just play through the entire story mode of that game because then you get to what i'm going to refer to as the real destiny game which is now it's time to start caring way too fucking much about your equipment. And, mm -hmm. like, it's weird, because that's the point in the game where people can fall off. Like, the first 10 hours of Destiny 2, it's a pretty solid Halo game available on the PS4 and Xbox One and eventually on the PC. It's a, it, it is one of, if not the best-feeling shooters I have ever played on a console. The PC beta I played was also one of the best-feeling shooters I've ever played on a PC. Like, it rivals Doom on the PC for how good it feels. Like, from a Damn. from a first-person shooter perspective, like, if you were to build a mausoleum of, like, what are the five patron gods of PC, of, of first-person shooters, Destiny 2 and Destiny, like, Destiny in general is there as, like, the patron saint of consoles. It is okay. it is the best feeling console shooter ever made. And that was Destiny 1. Destiny 2 is better. Okay. And like so there there is an argument to be made for like if you are willing to pay 60 bucks for a 10-hour game, you could super enjoy the first 10 hours of this game and then put it down and you've played for all purposes basically Destiny 2 and never touch the kind of Diablo-ish loot grinding stuff. You're missing out because that's where the real game actually is, but it's weird because the separation between the two and this one is bad. Like, I I'm, I'm not kidding when I say the correct way to play Destiny 2 
is just fucking do all of the story stuff right off the bat so you get to level 20 and have the end game stuff unlocked so you're not kind of trying to do some weird balancing act shit like that game hides easily 50% of what that game is behind you completing the game mm-hmm. like the the number of like, the number of things that unlock when you get to level 15 of 20 is staggering and then the number of things that unlock when you beat the final story mission it's like I get why you did this. This will be off-putting to some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. Yeah, because like a, a whole new social space, like the important social space, opens up. Weapon stuff goes through the roof. A whole bunch of uh, repeatable activities open up at that point. Like all the stuff that makes Destiny Destiny at that point doesn't kick in until you beat the game and. Like, it's weird because the story mode acts as a showcase for, like, hey, here's all the new stuff that we added, which is cool, except if you're, like, the wrong thing to do at that point, though, is engage with that. Like, it's the, it's like, oh, we have these big public spaces that you can roam around and do stuff, and public events are happening, and it's super cool, it's like, fucking, yeah, that's what I want to see. But you shouldn't touch any of it because you're not getting the maximum benefit from it. And you might as well save that to the end of the game when you're actually looking for it. Mm-hmm. Which is really weird to think about. And like additionally to that, that makes it even weirder is the fact that like yeah, on the jet bike in the game, the sparrow, you don't get an in-game version of it, like provided by the game, until you beat the final boss and unlock some stuff. Like it's and it's very deliberate. They're getting you used to kind of looking for stuff in the public spaces and all that jazz. But at the same time, if you're doing the public spaces before the end of the game, you're just wasting your time because all the loot you're getting, all the gear you're getting is going to be gone. And like, I'm not sure I did two story missions in a row with the same armor or guns. Like it was just got to get new stuff. Like I have new stuff. Swap it out. Swap it out right now. Mm -hmm. Like the chances of me even Finishing a mission with the same guns I was using at the midway point of that mission were also pretty slim. So they're just barraging you with new gear? Uh, to, a, uh, to a lesser extent, but yeah, there was definitely moments where... I, what's the right word for? Like they, They're making you try everything out. Like It's the, hey, here's all the weapons in the game. Try them out, find what you like. And that's cool, except for the fact that that's a game that's very dependent on you got to make the numbers go higher because that's what affects your light level and that's how much damage you take and how much damage you do, which so long as you're in kind of the uh, the sliver of, like, here's recommended power level stuff, you're great. The moment you're below that, you will get wrecked. Mm-hmm. And I think that works, but it's... As a very avid Destiny 1 player, I came in knowing how this stuff works and knowing that it was like, okay, let's just fuck it. Like, let's do all the story stuff. Let's not worry about anything else until I get to max level because that's when you can start getting legendaries and shit that matters. Like, nothing at this level matters. Mm-hmm. And max level in Destiny is 20? Max level in Destiny is 20. Mm-hmm. But And is that one of those at the moments? Um... So this is where it gets even weirder and maybe frustrating from an outside perspective as well. I'm starting to find it kind of a little weird that they do this. So you have a character level. Okay, sorry if I derailed. No, you. no, you you have a character level. 
your character level, once you hit level 20, doesn't matter because independent from your character level, you have a thing called your light level, which is basically like a gear power level. It's based on, it's an average of all the gear you have equipped, or it's it's an addition of all the gear you have equipped. Like you have uh, seven pieces of equipment and your power level is those numbers added together. So it is possible in that game to technically be like a level 18, but be more powerful than a level 20 if they have shit gear. Yep. So like once you hit level 20, they might as well just do away with your level because it doesn't matter anymore. It just straight, it, it's a thing. It's like, hey, you're level 20 now. What does that mean? Apps of fucking lootly nothing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, and, and, but that's the thing. Once you hit level 20, you start unlocking the stuff that pushes you further into that stratosphere. And I am at the, so it's Destiny. There's two level, there's leveling plateaus where like the 65 to 70 gap power level in that game sucks. Getting those five points up is a lot harder than maybe it should be. And I can imagine if you're not used to how Destiny works, it is maddening. Like, I'm finding it frustrating, and I am a veteran-ass player of this franchise. And I'm, mm-hmm. and at the same time, I'm only doing it because I know how this works. The raid came out the day we're recording this. I will do the raid in the near future. But the raid is only kind of important. The raid is the trial run for the heroic and prestige version of the raid, which is where things matter because that's where you get the highest possible level gear at that point in time. Like it's the, in Destiny, you are in some ways perpetually working towards goals that might not even be in the game yet because you've played enough Destiny to know, hey, like the raid's out, fucking yeah, we can get some cool ass loot out of there, it's super fun to do, et cetera, et cetera. But what matters is the hard mode of it. Yep. If you're not using the hard multiplier, you're not getting points. Oh yeah, it's it's like it's, you're not getting the best gear. Like it's so much so in yep. Destiny One, you had like the best gun in vanilla Destiny was a game called um, Fatebringer. It was a hand cannon, and it was only available in the hard mode of the first raid. It was a gun so good that like it, it was basically like an accidental exotic. It was it was overpowered and then some and awesome, but it also was like, no, it's working exactly as intended. And Bungie's been out there being like, no, the, the best weapons come from the raid. They're supposed to be the best. <laughs> they're, they're kind mm-hmm. they're, they're we're not saying they're OP, but they are better than anything you can get outside the raid. That's the point. Play with our toys. If you want the shiny. Yeah. It, it, do the thing for lack of a better phrase. Exactly. What, you expect to be able to get the best stuff just by grinding out? No, go do the hard thing. You think this is completely luck-based and you're just waiting for a drop? Oh, it's... That's the other issue, is that still, when you're doing the raid stuff, it's possible to do the raid multiple times and get nothing that progresses you, because it is a loot-based game, there is RNGesus in there kind of thing, it's you up... You gotta hope that you get a good raid, or at least you got stuff you can use to infuse into your existing stuff to get its level up. And they made it a little bit better because you used to have to do, used to have to worry about rolls, which are like, sorry, you had um bonus rolls on your gear that they have done away with. Thank God, because it was possible okay. to get that gun you wanted. It's like, oh, this thing is awesome. Oh no, the perks on it are terrible. Well, mm-hmm. this is a waste. 
Yeah, that does kind of suck. Yeah, I got pretty lucky that I got... Like, in Destiny 1, one of the better guns for a long time was a gun called um, Grasp of Malak. I got one with a ridiculous roll on it by kind of towards the end of me playing that game. And there are people I know that, like, played that game right up to the wire that, A, never got that game, uh, got that gun, or only got, like, horrible versions of that gun. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how many hours did you put in trying to get it? Oh, like, 50, just trying to get that one gun. Huh. Okay. Damn. Yeah, I... But, now it's yeah, it's, it's weird, because that last week I have been about three-quarters of the way through the campaign we recorded the original podcast that got lost of time. I am now in the end game, and I... It's nice being there. I, I, I like Destiny a lot still. I like Destiny 2 a lot. It's kind of like a weird coming home to a favorite game kind of scenario. Like, it's mm-hmm. the, the imperfections of it you're used to, and you're like, yeah, it's like, that's got the stuff I like. I, my... I'm assuming you're having a similar experience to, like, I did when I was playing Resident Evil 7, where it's like, oh, there's that quirk. Yeah. Like, certain things, like, I've always talked about the Capcom doors and how I was so happy that the Capcom doors that make no fucking sense are still in there. Yeah, exactly. Should they be? Probably not, yeah, but it... I like it because it's I'm associated with the thing I do like. Yeah, exactly. And actually, some people have been out there complaining the game does too good a job of delivering its story this time around, which I don't necessarily disagree with. Like, part of the fun of Destiny 1, what for me at least, was a lot of the actual story and lore for that game was kind of open-ended and nebulous, and you actually had to go look for it. Like, it was possible mm-hmm. to complete that game... And not totally know what the fuck happened. Like, yes, you shot the things and blew up the things and punched the things in the face, but it's like... But why the things? Yeah. And they definitely did a much better job of explaining the why. Part of me kind of wishes they'd dial it back a little bit, where it's like, no, no. I'm okay with a little mystery, and there is some mystery in the game. There's some stuff they hint at that's like, what what the fuck does that mean? But it's not mm-hmm. quite as front and center as it used to be. Like, Destiny 1 was, vanilla Destiny 1 was pretty devoid of any cohesive story. This one has a very front and center cohesive story that I think suffers a little bit because it's a little too, like, it, it's a simple revenge story. Like, revenge stories happen all the time. It's a, it's a, as far as revenge stories go, it's pretty good. You could have sprinkled in some of that destiny implied weirdness though into that revenge story and just not quite driven it home as hard. I think and it might have been a better story overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a goofier okay. game though too. But yeah, I, the weird. So I'm gonna finish up with my kind of my biggest gripe about the game. Like when I started this off, I said this is obvious. Like this game is like if you're a snide, condescending person. Yeah, this game is like Destiny 1.75, or like, if you want to get real dickish the first time around, and couldn't... Kind of, yeah. And I'm fine with that part of it, except for one thing. There are four fucking planets in Destiny 1 that, like, the game is obviously built on the same tech. I don't get why they're not in the game. Like, don't have them unlock as part of the original storyline fine with that don't have them be an active part of this game but have them at least you can go to and like like hey it's that place i went to in destiny one like don't do anything on them special totally fine with that the fact you can't go to them at all i'm like that sucks like this is obviously the same tech it's obviously the same engine 
maybe it would mess things up a little bit or you have some plans down the road, those things should be in the game. They don't have to be special. I mean, they don't have to do anything weird. But, like, just you could have brought those environments directly into the game and been fine. I'm going to assume that they are bringing them. Yeah. And that because this is a game built on expanding universe, that is going to be the universe that is expanding. Yeah, and I it, it's one of those things where it's like if all four of those things come over with the first piece of DLC, my gripe is totally fixed. It's the fact that, like, the worlds of that game are so much a part of what makes Destiny Destiny that the fact they could not... It, it's hard to kind of really drive home the point of, like, this really is just more Destiny 1. They fixed a ton of shit, but it's like, those planets should be here. You could have taken literally the same levels and brought them over and expanded them later like you did at one point in time for those maps in Destiny 1, but they should be here. Mm -hmm. At least on the map or something. Like, I should be able to go there and be like, yep, that's a thing. Mm -hmm. Get your tourist sticker. Yeah. Get your passport sticker. Yeah, like it's like, you could have the exact same enemies, you could be the exact same spawn locations... And it, it's really, really confusing in that regard to me, especially because it's like, no, you guys got rid of the PS3 and the Xbox 360 versions. Totally cool. You made Rise of Iron, which is obviously the same tech as Destiny 2. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. Like, it's the, you went through the effort to bring that stuff up. It's, it almost feels like there's a folder they could just drag into the game and suddenly they'd be there on the server. It's like, hey, you now have access to these plants. That's how weird it feels they're missing. And mm -hmm. again, like if they add them in the first DLC, I'll be like, fucking yeah, they did it, fine. It's perfect, whatever. <sighs> yeah. Nah. If I were a betting man, that's where my money would be. I, I am a betting man, and I don't think they're going to do that. I think they may add those plants back in slowly because they're spending time fixing them or like bringing them up to the new standards of how the games work which is great except if they were to bring in them as the vanilla versions they would fix my biggest gripe about destiny one which is i don't want more planets i want more locations on the existing planets like stop hmm. adding new zones start adding like another city to a zone i already have access to like you can make it a whole new sectioned off area but like so, in this one on Earth, they have something called the European Dead Zone. It's a cool kind of black forest Germany place. It's cool. It's lots of lots of thick vegetation, lots of rocks, lots of hills. It's neat. Mm -hmm. Rather than going to, like, Jupiter or something, I want to go to Chicago next. Yep, that totally yeah. seems reasonable. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things where it's like, if, again, like I know I'm sounding like a broken record, if you had brought the old stuff in and had to spin like, yep, they're there, nothing special happening, we're not even putting quests in there, I'd have been like, cool. It's all I wanted, fucking yeah, like, they're here, there's nothing special about them. And we're gonna add a new zone to Venus. Oh, there's two places on Venus, you say? A planet I'm intimately familiar with? Intriguing. And they're separate, yeah, opposite sides of the planet, fucking cool. Yeah, I, it feels like a really weird missed opportunity that would have Again, I don't work for Bungie. I'm not a game developer. It feels like something they could have done, and it would have gone a long way to... I don't, I don't know. Like it's the They justified, hey, you don't have any of your gear left anymore so well. 
They did a welcome back play, new old players thing so well. There's so many improvements. This feels like a weird thing where it's like, how hard would this have actually have been to do, guys? Mm -hmm. You do have most of the assets. I, beyond that, like, yeah, it's... It, it's like they share assets. Yeah, there's to uh, almost all the enemies are redesigned for this game, and that's part of, like, one of the big questions about the game. Like, one of the factions all suddenly is unified. It's like, so does that mean there's none of the not unified guys, or... What? Like, it, what happened? Like, is this a new brood or something? Explanation? But it would be kind of cool to have, like, the old guys running around still, where it's like, man, those new guys are way more organized than we are. Mm -hmm. We fucking suck at this. <laughs> yeah, I... Yes, I, I've been playing a lot of Destiny 2. I'm very much enjoying my time with Destiny 2. The more time I spend with Destiny 2, the more I am look forward to um, Anthem the game from Bioware, because I love me some loot shooters, and it's actually made me start wanting a Division 2 all of a sudden, because in concept, I kind of liked the Division. It had some real major issues, but they're definitely fixable issues, some, yeah. Some and major. Yes. <laughs> but the idea of the game is still intriguing. Like, it, it's, been a, it's been a hot second or two since I had a good loot shooter, and Destiny 2 is a fantastic loot shooter, and what goes well with one loot, good loot shooter is many good loot shooters because you don't get burned out as easily. Like, by Sunday after Destiny 2 came out, so the first Sunday of the game, I definitely was like, my eyes hurt a little bit, I, I've done a lot of the stuff, I've done essentially all the stuff they lay out for you to do in a week. Wouldn't it be great if I could jump over to another game where I, it plays like this? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Borderlands 3. <laughs> but, yeah. We'll see if Gearbox is still around after how big of yeah. a failure they've managed to generate. But... I I don't know if I want a Borderlands 3 at this point, in all honesty. I'm not sure I could go back to Borderlands. Mm-hmm. Like, Spoiled by other loot shooters? Uh, yeah, and... So, like... The comparison... Like, Destiny 1 and Borderlands, the pre-sequel the third one came out kind of roughly around the same time actually and with that close comparison it became very apparent that like the shooting controls on console for borderlands they weren't bad they weren't great that game had loot explosion all over the place but it was so much garbage like there's a certain point where it's like destiny gives out just the right amount of stuff because it feels somewhat meaningful Think about how much just junk you pick up in Borderlands. Oh, and how little of it awful. matters. It's like, oh, yeah, I have a million dollars. Lottie fucking duh. Mm -hmm. I have a bazillion dollars for them to take away on new use systems. Yeah. I always wonder what happened if you had no money when you respawned in Borderlands. I never managed to pull that off. I was always curious. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's... It does seem like one of those Sonic Rings kind of deals. Yeah. Yeah. If you have one ring, you're invincible. Yeah. Well, because I got the impression once, too, that, like, the money was based off of... Like, it was based on how much you had. Like, the deduction wasn't a set amount per level. It was like, no, no, it's based off, like, 10% of how much money you currently have on your character. Oh, yeah. No, that they absolutely did that. 
Honestly, if they didn't do that, money would have felt impactful. But because no matter how much you had, an arbitrarily large portion of it was just skimmed off the top. Yeah. It never meant anything. Also, there was nothing worth buying. Um, they added some stuff in later in some of the DLC, but yeah. Yeah. Most things you ran into is like, this will be outdated by a gun I pick up randomly. Yeah. In about five minutes. The end game for that game also had some real problems, but that's a separate topic. Hmm. Go run the same boss fight over and over and over. That's actually what you do in Destiny some. With the hopes of getting one gun. Yeah. yeah. I like my grind <laughs> games. Yeah. I like those types of games. But, yeah, it's been mostly me. Lots of Destiny. I've We had big plans to go do some stuff, and Jen got sick, so we wound up not doing them. But I had lots of time to play more Destiny. So, yeah. Oh, she's fine now. It was just a, like, hey, we're going to... We're going to go to the L.A. Fair, and then we're also going to go to like there's a longboat festival or a, a tall ship festival out here. It's like, oh, we should go do those. Not anymore, we're not. Guess I'm playing more Destiny 2. The hard You got ship. my hopes up so much when you miscalled that a longboat festival. Like, Viking festival? Where? Iceland, probably. Yeah, that would that'd be a good place for that. Yeah. No, that's, that's it for me. What have you been up to, man? Jesus, so... It's been like two weeks, so a lot of fucking stuff happened. So I'll start with probably the most interesting part, which I managed to play guitar live for Strangers twice since our last podcast. Ooh, fancy. Um, yep, and uh, I told this story last week to you and Alex before uh, someone decided that um, the recording just wasn't good enough and up to their standards and that uh, they, they felt like they were overshadowed during the recording by me and Charlie, so they, they deleted it spitefully to make sure that... Uh, there could never be a podcast where Charlie and Jeff were the best. They yokoed our ass. Yeah. So, um, so uh, try and act like you've never heard this story before, Charlie. <laughs> I've played a lot of Destiny 2, man. I don't know what I do and don't know at this point. <laughs> That's Time fair. is an illusion. But, um, I've forgotten so many things to make room for Destiny 2 knowledge. <laughs> so, um, I went and I played live, and the first time I went... Um, it was very similar to the first time I went. A lot of the same people went. And uh, this time, me and my roommate played uh, Budapest by George Ezra, uh, Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones, and uh, Pride and Joy by Stevie Ray Vaughan. And on the outro solo to Stevie Ray Vaughan, I stepped on my cable and unplugged my guitar, but only sort of unplugged it, so it cut in and out like three or four times, and I was just like, God clearly does not want me to land this goddamn outro. Um, so I did that, and uh, but it still went well, and I laughed it off, and so the audience just didn't care, which was excellent. Um, and then I played again, this time at a uh, tea house that um, through like friends of a friend, me and my roommate got invited to come play at, and uh, it was nice to get to try like a different venue, especially because this one was like. The first venue I was go I went to like they had people like running cable and like moving mics for you and running a board and at this one it was like we have a microphone and just turn your amplifier up and I'm like oh boy <laughs> um but it wound up completely working but I didn't get a sound check so I get up on stage I'm like okay I'm going to need a little bit of audience participation on this one front row is this too loud back row can you hear me <laughs> okay good <laughs> Um, 
So, but that show we played Budapest and Pride and Joy, and then we put played um Under the Bridge Bridge by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So, we changed it up a little bit, and uh, I got to have carrot cake flavored tea because it was a uh, super fancy tea. That sounds and, horrible. Um, it wasn't bad. Honestly, it mostly tasted like hot water. Well, you like <laughs> carrot cake in the first place. I do like carrot cake in the first place. That probably helps it not being terrible. It does. In my household, for my birthday, we always got carrot cakes because it's the only type of cake my brother won't eat. And uh, any cake that is left out, my brother will consume, provided it does not have the word carrot in it. So if I want to get my own cake, it needs to be carrot. Um, so I did that, and that was awesome getting to play live. Um, then, uh, I got to go to North American LCS, came to Boston, Woo! and I got to go see, uh, Digna Team Dignitas versus, um, oh God, who was it? Counterlogic Gaming. Um, and I got to do that in TD Bank North Garden, actually, like, got to go to the place where I've seen the Bruins play. I've gotten to see the Bruins play there with Charlie, actually. Um, and I got a nice picture of the, like, the giant screen in front of, um, or in the rafters with all, like, the Bruins, uh, Stanley Cup, uh, flags and the Celtics, um, whatever, I don't know the basketball, I know it's a, I know there's a ring involved, uh, yeah, whatever they are, the flags for the Celtics, um, clearly I, I know a lot about one winter sport, (laughs) um, so, I got a cool picture of that and um, got to watch a lot of the like. I, it was nice getting to see the two teams that I did because a lot of old players who I used to follow, like Someday was there, um, Efromu, Zion Spartan, like a lot of the guys who've kind of been around for a while. Because, or with Efromu, I've been around long enough. I remember when he was a 80 carry on CLG Black. Um,. I know none of this makes much sense, but just assume that I've been following these players for like the last five years or so. <laughs> um, so getting to see like n- old faces was kind of nice because so many of the teams are just no one I recognize anymore. Like a lot of these teams are just none of the same five people that I grew up watching. So it was nice getting to see some of the old veterans there. Um, and I also can say from personally just kind of paying attention, I looked over at the uh, casting booth every now and then because you can see the guy or they have them facing the stage so they can do shots of looking at the stadium and uh, the color commentators. And they have two different booths. One's an analyst booth and the other one's like the live booth. And when the anal- when the live booth is going, the analyst booth is not. And the analyst booth guys would turn around and watch it live. And every now and then I'd watch a fan walk up to it and all of them would like shake their hand and be super friendly to the fans and one. I was like, oh. That's really nice on you guys. Like, uh, I think it was Dash, Mark Z, and I f- forget who the uh, last guy is, but it's the uh, guy who always is the host of the analyst desk for NALCS. So they were all super nice to fans and whatnot. And it's kind of nice to see celebrities, you know, being good people every now and again. Um, Especially with something like they didn't have to. Like, they could have easily turned around and been like, look, man, this is during production, you know, I'm on the clock, I can't, or, you know, I can't do this right now, and, like, they took time, like, during a live event to just be cool to fans, which was kind of neat. Um, that said, most of the 300s of TD Bank North Garden were empty, 
Um, they sold out pretty much everything from like nosebleed down. Mm. Um, that wasn't directly like dead center. Um, so there were a lot of empty seats. That said, <clears throat> the day after it was, I think, Cloud Nine versus Team Solo Mid, which is two much more important teams. Um, and they, uh, like, to put that in perspective, I was wearing my SK Telecom t-shirt, and I didn't see a single other person wearing a Korean shirt. But um, they, I saw more TSM and Cloud9 jerseys individually than the combination of Dignitas or CLG. Like, the fandom was just so much more for TSM and Cloud9. I assume that the day after when those two teams played, they had uh, they probably had a full house. Um, cause if they were able to pack out the way they were with us, they definitely could fill it up with those two teams. Um, but it was an awesome experience. It was great getting to go and just watch on the Jumbotron and eat overpriced chicken nuggets. Um, and Riot handed out swag and they gave us the, uh, we had the glowing light up thunder sticks. Um, and they gave us all lanyards. Um, but I've, st- I've still got the thunder sticks. Um, so that was really cool. Um, other than that, uh, I got to have a Japanese lesson, uh, with my friends. So I'm continuing to get better at that every day. Video game form, non video game form. So, um, did that, uh, I've got to play because or between now and then we've had, um, what's it called? We had a national holiday. Did we? It. Yeah. No, no, we haven't. Oh, we haven't? Uh, well, prior to the past podcast, we did. Okay. Um, but, okay, so long story short, um, I've wound up being on the ice for hockey, I think, three times in five days. And, I, and my shoulder was like, dude, like, no. So I've been in recovery mode <laughs> the last couple of days. Um I went swing dancing yesterday, um, and it was really fun. And I actually got the compliment of, of all the new guys here, you follow the actual music better than anyone else. I was like, oh, I'm a musician. And they're like, that's probably why. <laughs> so I'll take the praise where I can yeah. get it. Um, then after that, I've been watching the new Rick and Morty, which... The new seat, the most recent season of Rick and Morty. Season one and two were good. Season three is amazing. This is the first season of Rick and Morty I've actually genuinely liked. I've had yeah. to cherry pick episodes from the previous ones and enjoyed it for what it was. I, this is the first time I actually fall into camp of like, I could recommend Rick and Morty based off this season. Yeah. Like these most recent episodes, like the show was always a bit of an emotional roller coaster based around like, Beth and Jerry's relationship and whatnot. And the show has done a magical job of being able to like recognize the highs and lows that the audience wants and needs and just hitting them all right when they need to happen. Um, the show or this season has just been absolutely perfect. Yeah. Um, then, so one, I got a new fun story of how New Hampshire can't deal with cars. Go on. Um, so, if, uh, long-time listeners may remember me 
complaining about New Hampshire and how it has to do anything with a car. You need to get involved with the clerk's office as opposed to the DMV. And the clerk's office are the single most unhospitable, horrific, miserable fucking humans that walk this terrible thing we call Earth. They are wretched people. And so I recently bought out the lease to my vehicle. And uh, in doing so, the way that works is basically the dealership that I bought it from buys the vehicle from Honda Lease Trust. They sell it to the dealership, and then the dealership cuts me a loan. And then I own the vehicle at the end of all of it. So I go to the clerk's office, and they're like, oh, you're missing a signature. You have to go and uh, get this signed. Also, the plates don't belong to you anymore, so you have to go over to the DMV to get temporary plates. So, sorry, we're double-fucking you today. I'm like, great. So, I go over to the DMV, wait an hour and a half, and I go up to the lady, and she's like, um... I'm like, okay, I'm here to get temporary plates. Done through the clerk's office. You need to go to your town clerk's office. I'm like, thank you for your time. And I turned around, walked out. I was like, well, fuck both of you. And... The next day, I went down, got the piece of paper signed, and then the very the day after that, took it over to the DMV or not to the DMV to the clerk. So I'm like, "Fuck it, I'm doing this illegal. You have made doing this legally too obstructive and difficult. Fuck you." <laughs> um. And then I go and I get a new person this time, and this woman wanted to fight with anything and everything for no reason, and like, she didn't have a non-yelling voice. And she takes a look at my paperwork that I just got signed and filled out. And she goes, this needs to not be filled out. This thing's signed incorrectly. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, it's filled out incorrectly. I'm like, actually, I was told by the clerk's office to do this. That's why it's highlighted is because the clerk's office told me. She goes, really? Which clerk's office? And in my head, I was like, the town I live in. What am I going to do? Like, of course it's this clerk's office. You don't go to a neighboring town, you know, the town of such and such, but I decided that I was going to register my vehicle 100 miles away for no fucking reason. I would, but... <laughs> I don't think I legally can. They're like, where's your permanent address? Not in this town? What are you doing here? Go away. Like... <laughs> That's actually just in question. Are you legally a resident of New Hampshire or Massachusetts still? New Hampshire. Okay. Um, which is why I have to put up with this misery. Um, but, uh, so I'm like, oh my God, you're fucking horrible. So after that, and then her manager came over and was like, no, it's allowed to be filled out the way it is. I finally, they finally registered my goddamn car, but it was just this moment of like, oh my God, that nothing works right with you people. And you're all horrible. Ugh. bureaucracy, what drives sane men to do illegal ass shit beaten the game the first time through as the character 2B. Um, the ending's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. It's weird and crazy, and the ending boss battle's pretty neat as well. And now I'm playing through the game as the character 9S, and I do not like really 9S. Really, anything involving as much as New Hampshire could be better at. So it's a bit annoying. Um... That said, it's very much like in Persona, like characters that make fun of Ryuji make me happy. Characters that berate 9S never seem to be in short supply, so I I, I could still enjoy the game very much so. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And I'm looking forward to getting ending C and D and getting through to the final ending. So, um, but yeah, I still highly recommend Nier Automata. The gameplay is Woo! still awesome. It's interesting going back to the okay. beginning of the game because the beginning of the game is much more bullet helly than the end game is. And going back to a lot of the early bullet hell stuff is actually really fucking fun. Um, and the intro bullet hell stuff that they did in the game, like, it's the best description I have to it is like the gummy ships from uh, Kingdom Hearts. Or, yeah. Yeah. And the bullet hell, bullet hell they just, that they uh, constructed is just a lot of fun to play. And uh, that pretty much brings you up to date with me. So. I recommend Nier Automata per usual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to have to duke it out with, um, I'd say the top three containers I can think of right now are RE7, that, and uh, Mac Hunter, um, Horizon. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm calling it from here. I Unless something big comes out, I'll be surprised if Horizon doesn't take it. But that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. At that, yes. At Horizon. It's weird, though, because every time I talk about Horizon, I'm like, that game, like, it didn't stick with me. But at the same time, I really want there to be more of that. Like, that's the, yeah. yeah. I I like yes. other things more than Horizon. I just know that more than enough people are going to like that game more than, uh, yeah. I'm going to be able to convince people that RE7 is great. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's a broader appeal. I should play RE7 at some point, yeah. But, they say that is a conversation for a whole nother day. Yeah, it's it's a weird year of way too many really good games. Like, yeah, mm. something for everyone. <laughs> but I believe that means it's time for news. You hear that? It's the sound of silence. Yeah, glorious, glorious silence. Moving on, news. Uh, uh, I was enjoying that. Yeah, it was it was nice. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, so as nice. you were. <laughs> <laughs> news. Um. So we got a couple news articles I brought forward from last week's uh, scrapped podcast. I think they're just as important now as they were then, and they age pretty well. But we're not gonna start off with one of those. We're gonna start off with. So you know we keep saying how long until someone just straight rips off PUBG. Sure. First people to publicly do that are Fortnite. Oh. You know that game that's also in early access. They have an 100-player Battle Royale-style PvP mode. It's live on their test servers, which are also a test server for the actual game. It's a mess. Anything involving Fortnite is a headache. <laughs> I mean, but they're, imitation is the highest form of flattery. Yeah, they're the first. I guess you could probably say Grand Theft Auto Online is the second major one because they have kind of a car it's more Mad Maxian in some ways, where it's about cars and turrets and shit like that, but it's... I mean, that sounds pretty baller. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I'd be okay with that. Like, it's time for Carmageddon to come back. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. Okami HD is coming to the PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Okami HD. You know Okami? Yes, it's the wolf game. Yeah, by, it's by uh, Clover. Yep, a company that no longer exists, but may or may not have led to the creation of Platinum. Yep, they totally did. Say, so, yeah, I have it for the PlayStation Two. I need to beat it at some point. Yeah, I 
so there's been many re-releases of Okami over the years. I it's it's a great game. It's got some unfortunate flaws to it, but it's it a whole new generation of people get a chance to play it. I'm kind of surprised it didn't get announced for the Switch, but this feels like a game that'd be good on the Switch. I mean, they released it for the Wii, so that does seem really intensely, insanely logical. Yeah. Don't know. Uh, speaking of the Switch, though, um, they've announced some kind of cool games that are coming out for it. Uh, the big surprises are Doom and Wolfenstein 2 are coming to the Switch. I don't know how. Wait, say that again. What's coming to the Switch? Doom and Wolfenstein 2. Like, new Doom? I think so. I mean, if so, that's a worthwhile game having on the Switch. It's a worthwhile game having anywhere. It doesn't change the fact that I don't know how that works. I mean, what this really does is just makes me want new Doom on the Vita. The Vita is not as powerful as the Switch. Well, I know. It's older, but... Yeah. Like, that's what it makes me want, though. Or Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with the answer to that is, well, you need a new Vita. Great, give me a new Vita. You're never getting one of those. <laughs> We're never getting one of those. But on that same note, uh, Nintendo is re-releasing a bunch of its classic arcade games on the Switch as well. They're not releasing them, though. They're going through a Japanese developer called, or publisher, I guess, called Hamster that's made a big deal publishing kind of arcade archive collections in Japan, which you can buy on your PS4 via a Japanese account, and they're awesome. But they're using them to re-release a bunch of games like um, Super Mario Brothers. That does seem to be Nintendo's new MO. Release a console, bring everything else to it. Learning a lesson, Sony. Xbox, you listening? They're not the ones bringing it, though. Hamster is. No, no, I get that. But hey, Sony, Microsoft, all of us uh, reverse combat compatibility people. Eh? 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 Sure. <laughs> But the announced games are Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers, Balloon Fight, Ice Climber, Pinball, Clue Clue Land, and Punch Out. Okay. It is doubtful you will see Donkey Kong because that game is a train wreck of copyright and who owns it. Mm-hmm. And I suppose while we're on the topic of the Switch, in the next patch, ARMS will get customizable controls, which, thank God, I don't think they saved that game from being kind of eh but it fixes the biggest issue with that game. Yeah, that definitely seems like a should-be-at-launch kind of problem. Or yeah, especially... Launch. Well, especially because that game was super pushing the idea of you should use the motion controls, and the motion controls don't feel good for that game. Mm-hmm. I don't... I don't think motion controls ever feel good for a game, but that's just me. Not until we get force feedback. Yay, Super yeah. Future, and not today. Yeah. We have a weird amount of Nintendo news this week. I mean, Nintendo's needs to put out and stay in our limelight, like, constantly, like, to stay relevant. Launch that's, this console. That's fair, actually. That's a good way of looking at it. Uh, so, recycled from last week, it's still worth bringing up. Nintendo's kind of gotten out there and said there may be some Switch games that are too big for the default storage options on the Switch. They've 
they've said that something has to be playable, but developers are totally going to start putting out games that are bigger than the 32 gigs built into the Switch. Mm-hmm. I think this is scummy, but at the same time, micro SD cards are pretty goddamn cheap, so it feels weird. Mm-hmm. In some ways, I'm glad that the at least the ability for the latitude for developers exists. On the flip side of that, the Switch should have more internal space. Yeah, that it, it further highlights some of the questions about the Switch, like why is the charging port on the bottom, or why is there only one charging port? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it this problem are I'm glad developers have the latitude, but it absolutely highlights a lot of the other problems with the whole thing. Yeah. Well, so and speaking of problems at Nintendo, uh our last piece of Nintendo news is remember the Nintendo Classic that was super hard to get a hold of last year? Yes. They're bringing it back in 2018. Well, that makes sense. Good ideas yeah, come back around, typically. I, I don't think this is a good idea. I think someone finally checked eBay and saw they were selling the super, the Nintendos and Super Nintendos for stupid amounts of money. Because you, uh, uh, Reggie at Nintendo, got out there and was like, "Don't pay more than retail for a uh, for a Super Nintendo or NES." Mm-hmm. <laughs> this just seems dumb. I, it, the fact they canceled them was dumb. The fact they're now like making a big deal, like we're bringing them back, is dumb. I. I can only assume this is a manufacturing thing where it's like, hey, we need that, we need those factories for the Switch, but <laughs> I, I, I just don't know at this point. This is just so weird. Mm-hmm. Second chance to get one because I want one for a desk or something. <laughs> ah, well. Everything about this is dumb. Everything about this like makes me want one, but at the same time, my brain goes, why the fuck aren't these games coming out on the Switch, like, you're you're putting in the time to make them playable on a HDMI-enabled TV. Just, like, let me buy this stuff for the console I already own. I'll pay $80 for the exact same game kind of thing. Like, if you match the price, I will pay more for less. I just want to play StarCraft 2 because I want to know what the hell that game is and dumb stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair yeah. answer. So, you may actually have some thoughts on this one, or you may have totally missed it. Magic the Gathering has gotten into the Hearthstone game, and by that I mean they've started Magic, colon, the Gathering Arena. Yeah. Yeah, they're talking about it. Um, I don't know how to feel about this thing, because right now it's being used as kind of the spoiler stuff for their current set, and they've eased it or i don't know if they released it i haven't paid close attention to because i'm still into the cardboard crack yeah but the um they already own mtgo so i don't know how they're going to manage this like money wise because mtgo already raised enough kind of stuff with like so there is a thing out there called the reserve list and on the reserve list is a long list of cards that'll never be reprinted so they retain their value things like black lotus will never be reprinted, even though they could tomorrow. Like, there's nothing that physically stops them from doing it other than they have said, the value of your Black Lotus will always be retained because we have hereby said we will not reprint it. You can't even use Black Lotus in tournament play, can you? Uh, Vintage and... uh, It's not banned. It's vintage and uh, 
Legacy only. Um, there's multiple formats, one of which allows basically anything through the history of time that isn't banned because there are turn zero kills and stuff. Um, though most of this is or most of those are entered by force of will. Um, so what uh happened is MTGO came out and it go. How do you have a legacy tournament on Magic the Gathering Online with cards that we've agreed to never reprint, like Black Lotus? Mm. And I believe they did create like a legacy master set that has them in it, and they are still worth tens of thousands of dollars because of their scarcity. But like Magic had to basically print virtual cards that compete with the existence of their hard paper cards. I by no means think that Arena is going to cut into their regular paper card stuff because Arena is only using new set and they don't have to worry about reserve list and shit. But I don't know how it's going to impact MTGO because, or MTGO's Magic the Gathering Online. Um, MTGO because they're playing the same set. They're both playing the newest set. I assume it will replace that. This looks like they're going after Hearthstone with animation and slicker interface. Yeah. Because the thing is, is Magic the Gathering has so many unique individual interactions through the history of time. MTGO spends 90% of its time bugged. Um, so, yeah, I suspect this is a, hey, we can't fix the fire, the thing that's on fire right now. What if we made something new that competed directly with what's in right now? Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if Arena has like only new set or only sets from... Elixir, Ixalian, whatever the name of this current one is, onward. Um, and doesn't have, uh, it doesn't have the ability to play like modern or vintage or anything. It's just sure. the current stuff. Well, so I, uh, I'm going to wrap for a second of this, as a point to this, actually. Uh, back in way olden Yu Gi Oh days, there were numbers at the bottom of the cards that correspond. That's how you unlock them in the various video games. You typed in the numbers. Yep. Part of me almost wonders, like, if this is the... Ch like, Hearthstone obviously can't do that because, well, there's no physical Hearthstone decks out there, really. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's some... Like, Gwent's the same way. Like, the ones that seem successful, it's only been digital format. I kind of want... I, I kind of want Magic the Gathering to start being like, do you own this card in real life? Then you can have it in the game. Don't have it in real life? Hope you get digital booster. So they don't have serial numbers on the cards. They have a new Yeah. No, I know, I know. Um I think Magic's playing the or they're not doing that and they're currently successful, so I don't foresee them doing that. I totally understand where you're coming from and I'd love that, but I'm not holding my breath for it. That said, shit like Cockatrice exists where you can just go do the whole thing for fucking free online. Yeah. Um and stuff your deck full of twenty fucking black lotuses if you really want. Um, so, I mean, MTGO, the reason it really exists is for competitive people more than it is really for the casual player. Um, I don't think there's really people out there like, I'm thinking about getting into magic. I'm going to do it online. It's more, I'm getting into magic. And I'm trying to progress my skill level. I need to play against better people than me. This is the way to get into that kind of stuff. See, I disagree with that. I think it's one of these things where because Hearthstone is a video game, it's inherently more accessible to people. Like it's like it's a popular video game. I should play that. Like for better or worse, like we both played. You still play Magic. I used to play Magic. 
Card games are those things for super nerds. Well, MTGO predates Hearthstone pretty significantly. No, that's what I'm saying. Like Hearthstone went forward and made a really slick interface. Like it's, it feels like a game. MGO is more of a thing that exists. Agreed. I don't see yeah. MTGO changing its ways. I think part no, of it is I, the fact it was released shitty, stayed shitty, and they're keeping it shitty because that's what people want out of it. No, no I think Arena is going the approach of what if we made MGTO like Hearthstone? Same game, essentially, but with animations and environments and all that stuff that makes it feel like a video game so you can get that kind of card-collecting fury but in a not-physical way. Oh, no, I totally get that. I was talking about MTGO, not about Arena. Yeah. Um, Arena, they're probably trying to get more approachable and give people a reason to get into it because unless you're looking for, like, playing against a higher player base, MTGO is not a great way to, like... Oh, I assume really this replaces MGTO. I wouldn't bank on that. Um, there's too much stuff that, like, there's too many things... So, one of the things that Hearthstone doesn't have to deal with is infinite combos and the interactions by which they happen... And a lot of those, the infinite combos in Magic are like three-step things. Like this creature comes in, this card bounces the creature, the creature comes back, this other thing interacts, which bounces and then does this, and then does this down the line an infinite number of times. Hearthstone doesn't have to deal with that problem. And right, there's but I think, if you're, I think if you're making that game, it has to do that, though. Well, they're starting over. They're not, are, they're not doing older cards. Yeah, okay, so, so they're they're doing stuff post. Got it. I got what you're saying now. They've only shown... They've shown only cards from the newest set, and one person, like, up a screenshot and found one card from one previous set. Um, I'd be astonished if they made this go back and start working with all the old cards. They're probably doing a... We're going to burn it down and start from here. <laughs> I get what you're getting at at this point. Yeah, it's a hard reset to the decks. For some reason, I thought there was a concept of invalidity, uh, invalid cards after X number of generations in Magic, but I guess I was wrong. Legacy and Vintage um, are e quote-unquote eternal formats, which means they will always... Every card that gets added to them gets added to Legacy and Vintage. The thing is, okay. is there's all of seven people on the East Coast who play Legacy or Vintage and have okay. $210,000 so decks. So I, I wasn't wrong. They're not, it's, it's not part of the most upfront play. Like, Legacy and Vintage exist, but it's not the main games. No. The main games are either Standard, Modern, or probably, or Commander. Not that they're, oh no, there's totally tournaments for Commander, yeah. Commander, Modern, and Standard are the premier formats, which are all, like, the most recent stuff. Um, modern is everything from a set called Mirrodin forward. Um, standard is the most recent three sets. Then there's also, uh, or and Commander is a multiplayer format. Uh, hundred card decks, all one ofs. You start with forty life, and it gets wonky and crazy. Um, mm -hmm. Then there's Popper, which is no cards that are not above common, which Popper actually is really strong uh, and a ton of fun because the decks are cheap. Um, and then I feel like I'm forgetting one. Oh, uh, Frontier. 
So this may answer some questions for you, the fact Frontier exists. Recently, Magic changed the art style of the borders on cards. And Frontier is, car is a format of cards with the new borders forward. There's very few people playing it, but they've taken the time to say Frontier might be a thing. Okay. Um, so every now and then they kind of put a line in the sand and say, okay, from here forward. Modern is supposed to be the, from uh, Mirrodin onward is kind of where they did the, we actually balance things now as opposed to just drunkenly throwing darts at the wall. Makes sense. Yeah, I I was under the impression that, like, if that turns out, like, three generations back was as far as you could go in, quote, traditional Magic the Gathering competitive play. Yeah, they've changed that. Um, they also used to call that, like, T1 or something, and now it's called Standard. Yeah. Well, the answer is that they're still doing that. Like, it's the standard. It's to not go more than three gens back. Yep. I guess that brings us to our last piece of news before we get into our main topic this week. And it's always weird covering this shit because, well, we're a YouTube channel and we do compete with other YouTube channels and we compete with streamers technically and all that jazz. But uh, PewDiePie put his foot in it again and once again he may have catastrophic... He may have ripple effects that affect other YouTubers again. Like, I, if you're keeping track of things, the whole adpocalypse thing YouTubers were freaking out about, that's in some indirect ways PewDiePie's fault. Mm -hmm. He, And by that, I mean he's the one that got nailed with it. So, once again, maybe being the biggest streamer is not everything it's cracked up to be. But PewDiePie said something dumb during a live stream or during a video, didn't think to take it out, posted it. And a video game a video game developer said, "We're now copyright claiming all the videos you did with our game." Uh, and seeing as those, is, it's kind of a weird legal murky zone with that. They can totally do that. It's we are rapidly approaching the concept of what how legal are YouTube videos featuring gameplay happening? Mm -hmm. I think it's going to probably be on a company by company basis. Yeah, and that's how it is kind of currently now, too. But at the same time, like, it's all... I'm not going to say all, but the majority of gaming YouTube channels are for-profit, meaning they don't really qualify for fair use. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of the umbrella we've been hanging out under, hoping it would be okay. And here's the issue. You keep doing dumb shit. Like, dumb shit like this keeps happening. And for better or worse, it keeps happening to the most public Let's Player. And... He keeps kind of pulling the South Park BP executive, I'm sorry, sorry, and eventually people get sick of that. Like, I'm sick about having to talk about this over and over. Hmm. All it, two it, times. <laughs> and more than that, though, too. Like, this is not the first time he's gotten in trouble for it. Mm. And we don't talk about it every time something dumb happens, just something that may happen that has, like, big rippling effects that will affect streamers and YouTubers. Mm -hmm. And those who watch it, because when you put that kind of whole community in threat of, hey, maybe you just can't do this at all anymore, or you can't make money, or it's not sustainable, problems arise. Mm -hmm. Yep. But, yeah. I We've reached a point where I this was going to be our main topic. This week, if I, A couple other news stories I came across when poking around on this the other night came up, and I could never find them verified by more trustworthy websites than the ones I found them on for gaming news, so 
it's really weird that someone's become a, you can just kind of say kind of fucked up racist shit that PewDiePie did, and I will believe you at this point. Mm-hmm. Which is a super shitty place to be. Yep. Say, so, I'm going to take this moment and recant what you texted me earlier today, which is yes. PewDiePie has become the Philadelphia Flyers of streamers. You can yes. say any negative thing you want about him, and it's probably true. Not, a, <laughs> uh, not, not the fan base of the Flyers. The Flyers are a fine, if not great, hockey team. Yes. It's just you can make shit up where it's like he stabbed someone. Yeah, I'd, I'd believe that at this point. Yep. That's a bit extreme, but yeah, within the realm of things you expect from him at this point, like it's, this is ridiculous. Like we've reached a point where part of me is wondering how it's, A, how have we not gotten to people starting to file more major stuff against him yet? And two, why why does he have a YouTube channel still at this point? He's literally been the thing that keeps fucking up a larger system. Hmm. You'd think other YouTubers might band together and be like, maybe you should leave. I mean, one in a way, like, he has just as much right to YouTube as, you know, Steel Reserve Nation does. Oh, I I know, but Steel Reserve Nation isn't also chain, isn't making um most major ad revenue suppliers pull from YouTube. Mm-hmm. PewDiePie did indirectly. True, but I mean, it's still like, like it's a free platform, like, Yes, it is. So long, until he violates YouTube's user agreement, that none of our people have the right to protest him. Just no one Which has the right to take him down. Technically, has with some of this shit, but oh, not yeah. as severely as some people do. Like I, the fact that Steel Worldwide is still on there too. It's also like, how the fuck are you still on here? Oh, because <laughs> you don't make a ton of money off this, and you're a smaller. You're not like billions or billion, you're not billions of views at this point. You're somewhat under the radar still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, people stop being shitty, mm. and stop when you get caught being like, ah. <laughs> you got caught, fess up to it, and do the right thing. Stop ruining it for the rest of us. But on a more happier note, we are uh, not throw out some spoiler warnings in a second. But so we're gonna change it up this week because we are gonna, our main topic is gonna be a little bit spoilerific because Alex is not here. We can talk about Persona Four in some more detail now that Jeff has actually finished it and Persona 5 in more detail so welcome yes yes uh, you have so if your name is uh, Alex uh, shut off this podcast right now because you're in the middle of Persona 4 or if you're enjoying the Persona 4 playthrough and don't want spoilers about some major stuff please turn this off and come back and listen at some other point or just wait for me to talk about part of the stuff I'll talk about now in the Persona 5 or play through at some point, but yeah. Also, even we though we're that, ta- or say also, even though we're talking mostly about Persona Four, Persona Five is probably the one we're actually the closest to actually spoiling. Uh, yeah, probably. It's kind of hard to spoil Persona, a ten-year-old game. Yeah. So if you're playing for yeah. Persona Five, we're gonna be talking about that game extensively, and that game is actually new. So if you have intentions yeah. to play in that game, probably don't want to listen to what we have to say next. But before we get to that. We have no emails this week, which is why we're changing it around some. But if you wanted to contact us, Jeff, how would you do that? First, you need to start a YouTube channel around butterfly knife tricks. Okay. Then you need to do enough of it. You finally get picked up by a reputable uh, butterfly knife brand. Does Gerber make them? 
Sure. Gerber. I'm sure. If they don't, make them. Uh, get Gerber to make butterfly knives that have whatever it is that you want to be written or read out loud on this podcast on it and have that laser, laser etch into the side of one of them. And then maybe, because I'm in New Hampshire and that shit's legal here, Massachusetts. Um, I think it's legal here, too. Huh, I don't know. I don't dick all about laws in Cali. But, um... But uh, then I might wind up with one and uh, might pass the information along to Charlie, who will read on this podcast. Or alternatively, you can reach us at wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. What's that again? Uh, oh, right. You're not here this week. Or we fired his ass. I don't know. Yep. Yep. You're gone. <laughs> Wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Spelled as it sounds, down the show notes, et cetera, et cetera. We love getting emails. Write us. We like, re- we like answering them. We like reading them, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. Definitely. Again, Giant spoiler warnings for Persona 4 and Persona 5. Avoid this if you don't want to hear spoilers. This has been your last warning. So Persona 4 and Persona 5, Jeff. Yes. So I'll start with saying that I I think that Persona 5 was a good game, but I have also quoted on this podcast as saying Persona 5 couldn't hold Persona 4's jockstrap. I think they are very different games, despite being very similar games. But I think we should maybe save this towards a little bit later on in this discussion. Yes. Um, so uh, let's start off with Persona 4's ending, because you had not you you thought you knew what was going on in Persona 4's ending, and then you didn't. I don't know about that. I. You had not seen the true ending of Persona 4. No, I had not at the time. Last we talked about it. Um, and so, how did you feel about the final ending of Persona 4? I thought that the ending of Persona 4 was completely satisfying and, like, one of the many things or why I enjoyed Persona 4 so much better is everything came together at the end in an extremely logical and impactful way. Like, all of the speeches that the characters gave about why the Midnight... Why does the Midnight Channel exist? Oh, it has to do with, you know, humanity's delusions with itself and how people prefer lies over the truth because lies are more gentle on you than the the truth when the truth is ugly. So what happened? So a god basically said, okay, I want to test this and created the ability for people to create falsehoods. And what happened? Everyone watched the Midnight Channel. Everyone wanted to see everyone else's deep, dark secret underneath and do nothing about it. And then proceeded to cast judgment based on what it found. Um, and everything follows extremely logically and pretty much all of the, even the craziest of game mechanics, like down to the fog. Why fog? Because fog shrouds things. Fog is the lie. And like so much of the metaphorical turned literal shit was explained out. And I really love that about Persona 4. Yeah. Persona 5 I- did do this. I do have to give them the credit there. I, so again, before we move on from that, I so what did you think of the final boss being the gas station attendant? It didn't really matter. It could have been anyone. So you missed out on the cool thing about that then. That um, you shook hands with them at the beginning of the game. Well, that and if you're driving through town like everyone else who gets who gets the persona power activated, who's the only person you probably interact with if you're just passing through? Wait, say that again. So if, uh, the guy who kind of seemed to be the main villain, what's his name? Um, oh, God. I'm blanking out. The guy, the guy who was putting people in the TVs because he thought he was saving them. Uh, yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. 
Well, so he, in theory, would like only interaction he would have in town for like, concept would be the gas station attendant, um, Adachi. The, Adachi, that's his name. No, I'm, I'm talking about the other guy though too. Okay. Yep. The cop guy also first person he probably meets in town upon arriving. Gas station attendant. The cop is Adachi. Yeah, I'm talking about the other. I was talking about the other one too, the one that was putting t- people in the TV to protect them. Okay. Yep. I, I, I know what you're talking about. I wish I could remember the name, but yeah, it's it's interesting that in theory, like one of the first people anyone might meet when they come to town is the gas station attendant, and that's who the main villain is all along. I I yeah. just thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Like it made sense that that was actually. It's like. It seems totally out of left field until you're like, no, wait, that actually makes weird sense. Yeah. It'd be like the greeter at Walmart being the serial killer. Yeah. I mean, when I say he literally could have been anyone, like it could have been one of the chefs at the uh, ramen restaurant. And so long as underneath that ramen chef outfit, they were a god who had all the same intentions. The plot would have run pretty much the same. Um. It's just that that gas station attendant happened to reach out and physically touch you. Um, yeah. They could have put some kind of like, here's magic ramen. Turns out I also gave it to Adachi and the other guy. It could have yeah. been, that could have been loosely put in just in, just a similar. Not sure. Yeah. I, I, it's, I think it's kind of fun. It's like of all the people, gas station attendant. Yeah. I will admit I did not anticipate gas station attendant until it happened. Um, also. If you play it a second time, you pick up on some of the really weird hints at the gas station attendant being the person. This game very much reminds me a lot of like Fight Club where like you go through the second time and realize how many hints the thing's been dropping the entire time. Yeah. Um because the movie Fight Club the first time through is awesome. The mo- the second time through is even better. Um but uh yeah, the gas station attendant was interesting. Kind of on that same note, Persona 5 didn't have a last day dungeon it was kind of weird it did and it didn't it was different yeah i spent like the whole time like talking to every single asshole in town which the town is much bigger yes. uh, than in four this is entire all of shinjuku um yeah. instead of being in, Ma- in made upville i'm assuming no, I, I it's in made upville it could be in a real place i think they made that decision because it was very easy to miss the final dungeon in four yes you needed to do a lot to get it yeah um and it wasn't stuff it wasn't like cascading events it was you had to make sure you did stuff on the last day the day where in theory you've beaten the game and all things are wrapped up and all that jazz yeah the game also very much it was you didn't need an outside game knowledge worth of knowledge but the times that offset you into getting alternate endings you need to really either get lucky or know what's going on. Yeah. Because, um, like, when I got that bad ending, I stumbled into that. There were probably ten paths I could have taken. Nine of them led to that ending. One of them led out of it. Yeah. Um, Which is fair. There's nothing wrong about it. And the game has the curse to be like, hey, BT Dubs, you should save. No, seriously. Save yeah. right now. Anytime the game says, would you like to save your progress? And it's not you walking up to a save point, you fucking do it. <laughs> that game does not joke around with that shit. Pro tips. Yeah. So, um, it did do a good job of that. And at that, it does suck that at that particular particular section, 
that the dialogue that leads to the actual events that you can interact with is forever long. Like yeah. on fast forward, it's like five minutes. It's like 20 or 30 without that. Yeah, but also you're playing that game for the dialogue some. Yeah, but I mean when I'm repeating it to go back and trial and error a goddamn yeah. section, that blows. I looked it up, but when I did it, I was actually physically on a plane with no access to the internet, so I couldn't look up the yeah. ending. Um, but No, I got lucky. I All the Persona games I've played, I've accidentally stumbled into the, the, the true ending on my first shot every single time. It's like, huh. Like when you were texting me with that, he's like, "Oh, you got this." I'm like, "That's not the ending." Mm-hmm. Wait, uh, so I was on my phone, being like, "Wait, that's an ending you can get." I'm like, "Well, that's not the right one." But yeah. wait, I know you can get, even get that ending. Yeah. I mean, when I present to you, is like, I think something's wrong because my ending isn't what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, my ending shite. Which even then, my I, I, shite it, ending was like heartstrings pulling, gut wrenching. Yeah, I just had no idea you could have an ending even in that point in the game. I, I'm like, no, no, the endings are either you fight the final boss or you don't know the final boss exists. And you go anywhere, you're like, no, you can end here too. I'm like, huh. Yeah, the difference between those alternate endings is three fucking months. Yeah. Which is pretty substantial. Yep. Um, But, yeah, no, that that was definitely a good game. But um, uh, So which so which waifu? In, um... In four, I actually went with Chie. I actually like Chie a lot as a character because she was actually Chie believable. Cool. And as you like, a lot of her character growth was very organic. Where it was like she started out as this like bull rushing, headstrong like idiot character that kind of developed into like I actually want to you know or my main goal is I like protecting people. And then finally yeah. on the last day, she's like, I think I found my drive in life. I'm not a very good student, but I think I want to become a police officer. I was like, oh my God, you actually had a full arc as an individual. Yeah. Um. So she was good. I mean, I know a lot about all, all of them because I've done. Yeah, you, you min-maxed. I min-maxed. I was a douche. Um, Rize's one I liked a lot because it was a very. Yeah, it's a good arc. It's a, it's a good arc. It's well written. Again, it's a believable it arc. It shows legitimate character growth as she starts to make a lot of revelations about herself. Um, and I liked. Um, what's her name? Uh, uh, Blue haired Na- hat. Nanako or. No, no, that's not Nanako. Um, Nauto. Nauto? Nauto, yeah. Yeah, Nauto's arc was a very similar, very well, or good uh, self discovery yeah. one. Um, that said, when you look through the ending credits, there is a full writing staff just for the S ranks, which yeah. is kind of one of those, like, no wonder they're so good. They got their own writing team. Um, in five, <laughs> I keep jumping back. A lot of the characters didn't feel nearly as interesting as the four ones were like, even like a character like, uh, Yukiko Amagi, who I know you dislike. And so her S rank is one of the weaker ones. And I'm going to use that as my weak example. I would yeah. still say is a hundred times more interesting than Antikemiki's one. Yeah, but that's also every game has weaker and stronger S ranks. And yeah, like I got to dodge a lot of the weaker yeah. ones in four. Cause I, I, I had the yeah. fortune that everyone I S ranked wasn't super interesting. You also played with some of the guides, didn't you? Or did you just go in totally blind? Blind. Oh, fair. Yeah, for some I thought you were playing with a, at least a mild guide of some kind. I was using a mild guide, but I or the only time I would use a guide was when I 
if I ran to a boss at like an insta give or something like that, it's like, no, I'm not yeah. spending five hours and a weekend like a 10 year old to figure out or to just go against you 30 times, figure out what your bullshit gimmick is. I'm looking up the yeah. gimmick. No, I got you. Uh, it's so maybe it's time to talk about how different a game they are. Like, it's Persona 4 is popular high school simulator. Yep. And that's not a bad thing. I, I guess, like, if you were to compare what me and you were like in high school between the two games, for better or worse, we were the people from Persona 5. <laughs> Fair. And it, that game, I, I enjoyed Persona 4 a lot. I think it ages exceedingly well. It is definitely one of the best JRPGs of all time. Golden made I, it age a lot better, too. From yeah, what I understand, sorry, yeah. I have not played the original. And we whenever should probably just throw I, that in. Everything here is about Golden. Yeah, whenever I say Persona 4, I mean Persona 4 Golden. I, it's There's lots of stuff missing from the original Persona 4 that Golden fixes, which is why I keep saying crazy people things like, hey, you should make a DLC for um, Persona 5 called Crimson to add more voice acting into that game and stuff. But I digress. I, it's... They're very different kind of tonally and theme games. Let's yeah. talk about five for a couple minutes, I guess. I, it's Ocean's Eleven. It's, it's it's Ocean's Eleven, and I guess like I like that story more in some ways than the investigation stuff from Four because so much of the investigation from Four was like Scooby Doo. Well, we somehow solved the mystery despite being totally underqualified. Yep. That said, like they did ass backwards. They did provide a logical explanation. Like, we can't go to the cops. Why? Because we look like fucking nutters. And then the yeah, cop it, was well-written enough that by the end it was like, okay, yeah, this guy would actually believe us because of the shit he has personally seen in him stitching together details that we've dropped throughout the rest of the game. Well, let's talk about the fact that, God, what's his name? Um, uh, The cop. I'm blanking on the guy's name. Um, yeah, it's been so long since both of us played this. Um, yeah. It's, for better or worse, like, that guy figures it out and doesn't use it and isn't a persona user like he doesn't get everything right but he gets enough for a fucking conviction yep i mean he also has the benefit of he's got confessions but it doesn't change the fact that like that's some that is some impressive ass normal detective work going yeah. on it's also a lot of the strong writing in the game to set up that many well done foreshadowing things to lead a character logically the same way that they led the yeah. audience um, because he didn't go off of like nothing and like Deus Ex Machina thing. Like he went off of events that occurred. Um, I'm like mad at myself right now for not remembering his goddamn name. Um, but there's an amazing skin in Persona 4 that you basically get his clothes called Hard Boiled. Um, also the skins in Persona 4 Golden. I was expecting them to like just be strictly like superfluous, but they totally like change like ending animations and stuff. They're actually well done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did, or I did enjoy that. I felt like the stakes were way higher in four than in five. Cause like in five, it's oh, no. we're at risk five, four, way higher. I don't buy that Four, it's, there's a serial killer who could kill anyone at any given moment. And in five, it's, we could F off to the metaverse at any given moment. And we deal with whoever is just in the metaverse. I, I guess but at the same time, like, 5 also revolved around, like, someone straight murdering people mm -hmm. in, like, using the metaverse. I, 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 again, they're very different games. Like, it's the Persona 4 is about 
life in the countryside. Persona 5 is about life in the big city, and they're different things. It's one of these things where Persona 4 is, yeah, it's a serial killer. Serial killers affect small towns. Persona 5, there's some dude doing super shady-ass shit to thousands of employees. Mm-hmm. When you compare the two, it's like, well, one's a murderer and one's just kind of a shitty business owner. But in the grand scheme of things, the shitty business owner one actually might be worse, especially when you get into some of the implications where it's like, no, this guy is like working people to death. Maybe metaphorically, but you know, someone's going to die eventually too. I mean, that's true in like an off-screen sense of the word. Like, yeah, he was in charge of 50 or he was in charge of a nondescriptly large company in charge of a nondescriptly large number of small suburban families who were miserable because of his actions. Yeah. Whereas yeah. in four, it's people you know are getting killed. Like yeah. the first two people who die are the. F- you don't meet the first person because you don't meet the reporter, but the woman who uh, Yosuke had a crush on, yeah, Yosuke or Yosuke, whichever one, like you knew her before, and it was like, oh wow, a name because I wasn't using a guide or anything. Like, oh wow, a named character. I wonder if she's a Persona user, fucking hung upside down from a telephone pole, like. Also, the, like, difference between their eyes go black and then they kind of step out in traffic versus hung upside down from a telephone pole. I liked hung upside down from a telephone pole way it, more. They're, they're very they're very different things, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's, but at the same time, like, the people you're taking, I, again, like, the, the serial killer of Persona 4 is a monster. The fact that Persona 5 contains multiple people on the same monstrous scale like from a different approach it's like every single one of you people is just the like wow mm-hmm. you are all the worst and like a you should you should also be locked up like maybe you weren't killing people but maybe leaving some of these people alive is worse than killing people mm-hmm. yeah like the first guy um the teacher that dude is a piece of fucking trash. Every, yeah. Everyone you go up against in that game, even like um, uh, Saki, the lawyer chick who winds up on your team, is trash. Like, yeah. she has a redeeming moment because you change her heart. But, like, the reason everyone else goes fucking nuts is because, like, they are horrible on, like, a primal core level. Yeah. I think it's just to... Or the Okumura Foods guy seems the less impactful to me because he's so much more... His influence is so much more on off-screen people, yeah. That you don't really see, because the yeah, difference and, is one of the big differences is like in the teacher's mind, the students are actively like these are students and they're slaves. Whereas in his mind, everyone's robots, and that kind of dehumanizes it a bit. Sure. And also, he's very like when he gets introduced to the plot, you don't learn that he's a piece of shit. You're presented. Here's a piece of shit, and we're going to tell you why you should hate him afterward. Which is a bit of reverse exposition, kind of, because... I don't know. There was, an, there was enough stuff presented in the various um, castles that were like you were like, oh, shit. Well, I, well, when he gets introduced, he pretty much gets introduced already knowing about the metaverse and the fact that people can be murdered through it. So you already go yeah. in going, this guy's fucked up. I don't know the specifics, but... He knows too much to even have a shred of good hiding in him. So when it happens, it's much less surprising. And then the well, yeah, just and- he has bad company ethics. It's like, really? He didn't like torture puppies in his backyard like every other character I've met so far? Like, 
I don't know. He just felt downplayed comparatively. He could have done something much more on an individual basis to make him evil. And then his like actual like thing that converted him, his actual treasure was super Oh, here's a thing that we've made no reference to. It just made good for good level design. Um which I, guess, I get yeah. I get a little bit picky with Persona games because oh, we made the plot match the level design Seems cheap because they do such a good job the rest of the time. Yeah, I I don't know. I it's fine in my book, but I but you are you're not directly talking about, but you are talking about like as similar as as the two games are. Persona Four is about small time life and close friends. Yes. Persona Five is about society and kind of outcasts from it kind of thing like they it, mm-hmm. as as similar as those two games are they are like theme wise so staggeringly different and that's why the kind of scope of things is so different like it's oh yeah no they're entirely different yeah games. yeah and it's one of these things where kind of like it's the uh, again i go back and forth on which one i think is better and the combat in five is so good like combat in four is fine but just some of the stuff they throw around in five, it's it's so good. The design and the combat become one. There's just stuff going on. The whole finishing move animation things, they're great. Mm-hmm. Yep. No. Like five from up. Yeah, it's... that's good. I mean, I always knew that mechanically you're going to like five better than four because you are a huge fan of Nocturne. And yeah. five brings back the I don't have a real great term for something to call the Persona Pokemon system. The the Devil Negotiation three has that I think too, or is that one and two had it at one point long ago? Yeah, it's I don't you think people three to your has side. it. I could be wrong. Yeah. I, it's been a per- it's been Nocturne a definitely has it. If that, yeah, if that's worth some. Um, yeah, or three does not have it. Three has much more weird stuff about like enemies are stressed or something and like when you yeah, actually run it's, into it's the got a recruitment system yeah oh does it i think so uh actually no it's card based it's got the shuffle system oh um it's got the worst version of the shuffle system because yeah. it's got the rng version that's shitty mini mini games that you look at persona 4 and go i see why you removed this <laughs> um four had the shuffle four had shuffle but what they do is Oh, they, right, right. I'm, I'm remembering now. I'm remembering now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or we can explain it for our audience. Like, Yeah, go for um, it. In four, you have the shuffle system where it'll bring up like four cards and be like, okay, you're allowed to pick one, and you'll pick your card. In three, it'll show you three cards, say you can pick one, turn them face down, and then start shuffling them like that crappy card or that insane betting card game you see in inner cities. And then you get to keep whichever one you turn over which can be a negative, it can be a positive, it can be a blank. And it's like, this system is annoying. And because it's a video game, the game itself's actually really not difficult to keep track of the card. It's just annoying. Sure. Um, but that's three. Um, yeah. I say things four did well, or sorry, five did well. Um, a lot of the... Uh, there are definitely still characters in that game that I care about a lot. Makoto is definitely a very interesting character. Makoto's fucking awesome. Yeah, her um, her plot line was very interesting, and she fucking slaps a bitch. 
Yeah. Um, and I did actually like that mini explosion of like, what happens when you push this person to their edge? Oh, that is what happens when you push them to their edge. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about Morgana because the explanation on like, why a cat? Why did you wind up where you did in the first place? I understand what you are, but anything that revolves around like, or he's supposed to be like the hope of humanity, but like, nothing other than being told that leads me to any conclusion or I could never get to that conclusion without him literally saying it. Like there's no sure. evidence that supports that fact. It's just, I'm the hope of humanity. You're a cat. Correct. The hope of humanity is a cat. Yes. Any reason? No, that's not like this game series to give no reason for something like that. Oh no. I, I also know you hate Morgana. So <laughs> I fuck you. Yeah, fucking Morgana is, <laughs> the worst part of that game as far as i'm concerned like i i at the end when it seemed like morgana was dead i'm like fucking yes <laughs> and then it came back and i'm like fucking no and the explanation for why you came back was why did you come back well coming back immediately seemed dumb how have you been eating <laughs> I, you are such a dependent piece of shit. Fuck you, Morg. Yeah, I, I don't like Teddy that much more than Morgana. Like, it's the, which would you rather get shot, your knee or your elbow? It's like, I, I guess my knee, and that's the Teddy versus um, yeah. Morgana I mean, debate for me at that point. Teddy is annoying. I really like the scene where um, Igor meets Teddy. It has his yeah. big long speech about, like, and another stone goes back into the river. So, yep. Flory, that's one point for Teddy, zero points for Morg, thus yeah. breaking the tiebreaker <laughs> of zero oh, no, points it, for zero points. Teddy is a better character than Morgana. They're both just... It's... I hate games that by the end of the game are still like, hey, we're going to have text pop up to, to, to tutorialize the game for you. I'm like, no, stop. Don't do this anymore. It's like, oh, you're tired. You can't go to... You, you can't do this. I'm like... Just have a pop-up say, I'm tired. You don't need to have Morgana go, you're too tired for this. Because all it makes me want to do it makes is him like, the villain. Fuck. It's like, fuck you, cat. I can do what I want. <laughs> That's why it's very important to get that made. So, yeah, we talked about the cast of Persona 4. Some, like, I, I don't know. I, I love the cast for the most part in 5. And maybe it's I find them a little bit more relatable than popular high school people. I, I love the reject squad that is the cast of mm -hmm. Persona 5, and that's what makes the game for me. Like, even... Like, I'm going to throw it out of the way right now. If you romance Futaba, you're a goddamn monster, but that's a separate topic. <laughs> Say, I full S-ranked Futaba. Yeah, I... Got my, uh, my... Uh, not Carolyn, my, uh... The other Atlas game. Catherine. Uh, uh, my, Catherine. Cat my Catherine, uh... Toss-in. Yeah, like, you can S rank without romancing too, for what it's worth. Like, I, anyone who romanced Hutaba, that's creepy. Just <laughs> saying that right now. Like, if you actually get into what that character's about, like, that's some, like, yeah. I will help you get through this, but, like, eh, nah. don't stick your dick in there. I say, it was a text box. I did it. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I know. I, <laughs> you, you can call me a monster. You're, you're all about collecting. <laughs> yeah. It, they're like Pokemon to me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I am the real monster. No, the, the only research I did for Persona Five was 
if you cheat in this game, does it matter? And the internet was like, yes. And I'm like, guess I'm not doing that in this game. Got it. And Jeff did. And Jeff got his uh, bad Valentine's Day. Yeah. And they handled Valentine's Day. I, I did like the way they handled it in this one. I like yeah. the way 4 did it, but the way 5 did it was pretty amazing. Yeah, and like for what it's worth, like some of the best writing in the game happens around... I, I Did I limit myself some, probably, because you get some funnier stuff if you have multiple romances, sure. But also, like, I invested in Makoto, because I think it was one of these things where even before she was in my party and turned out to be a rad biker chick, I'm like, that's the person I'm romancing in this game, because mm-hmm. she seems cool as shit. Mm-hmm. And then she had a motorcycle persona and i'm like that thing is cool as shit and then she was miss goody goody student council <laughs> who also was like secretly a badass and also had thoughts like why why i do go school yeah um yeah i the the doctor in that game i think is also like it's that whole story is super confusing when it starts by the end you're like Man, this is so real feeling. Like this totally happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her arc was okay. I don't know. I guess it was just I felt at by that point I was like, it's obvious how this one's going to end. Sure. Whereas some and- of the S ranks in four because they don't necessarily have resolution. It's kind of hard to predict where they're going to go. Whereas that one is clearly there's an objective here. There is a falsely yeah. accused person. They will be innocent by the end of it. Where it's like. You know, a character like, I don't know, Chie, where it's like, what will happen to you at the end of this? Fuck if I know. Like, you, you're you not working towards something, per se. Yeah. Um, but no, that's, again, that's a stylistic you're... difference more than I'm just going to say. Or that may be one of the reasons I enjoyed the S-Ranks in 4 more. But at this point, this is this is the Jeff opinion more that I'm going to yeah. do my usual draw a stake in the ground and say, this is better. Um. That's actually probably one of the major reasons why. Um, and there were a couple of S ranks where, like, I felt a little bit like the pacing on them was not so great. Um, like the Shoji girl, um, the chess girl. She should show up way sooner in that game. <laughs> Her rank. Uh, so important. Th- th- there is no more. Ep- yeah, so I. It's a little weird how important that social link is. The game's like borderline unplayable without her. I wouldn't go that far, but yeah, it changes. She changes that game in a very meaningful way. Yeah. For the increased better, but at the same time, like, good lord. Mm -hmm. But uh, what was I going to say? Her arc basically goes, you meet her. Find out her that she has trouble with her family because her mom's pressuring her to basically be a shoji starlet. Find out that her mom's been rigging her her matches. Yeah. She goes against that. She goes against the match, like, for real. And then she has more stuff after that, which is her coming to resolution with it. And I think that the pacing on the amount of time she spends having resolution after losing is way too long, whereas... Oh, yeah, no. It's, that should be much closer. For a character so important in the grand scheme of that game, her S-Link is surprisingly kind of meh. Yeah, it, it's... it's The climax 
is her doing the fight against someone who's not cheating. And the one immediately after that should have been res like full resolution. You're at I, ten. I agree. Yeah, I I completely agree. And they, I think they mispaced that one. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Like it's the, it feels like they, I think social links move slower in this game. They did in four as well. Like, I I don't think you could get all the social links on your first try in five. I if you can do that in four, I certainly didn't know how. You can get really close in four. Mm -hmm. I know in four, like at the end of the game, I was starting to run out of like, okay, everyone I care about is at 10. Yep. I might as well start someone from scratch. And then the game just fucking straight ended right then and there, like exactly yeah. on time. I was like, oh, neat. I get yep. uh, that. That was perfect. Um, five, it gets a little bit weirder. Sure. Um, five also had a lot less of the like, or at least it felt like a lot less of the, um, four would have the like downtime episodes, like the, uh, the student council or not student council, but when they had to like, each class had to do their own, um, dress up their own room as like a shop or a cafe or something. Yeah. Persona five had that day, but persona four also like they went on a school trip to another school. They went on, uh, there was stuff in yeah. five. It was just at much. I think less you're selling that one short. I think yeah. the difference is again, like it wasn't like, "Hey, we're popular." It's like, "Hey, we're social outcasts." Yeah. We're putting on a concert versus like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I I think it's just different. I think it's one of these things where I don't know a ton about the Japanese school system, but I also suspect that's kind of indicative of uh, rural versus not rural at that point. Yeah. Because things like the are the uh, fashion show in four were replaced with them going out to eat, and the going out to eats typically were pretty underwhelming. Yeah. Um. I I'm curious how much because you didn't develop Ryuji at all. I'm willing to bet. Oh God, no. I I got the impression that actually some depending on which social links you had advanced, it did change those scenes some. Okay. I accidentally wound up with a max rank Ryuji, and aside from the fact that his final levels are, like, weirdly powerful and useful. I mean, he's all offense. He has no utility. Yeah. Yep. This is true. I mean, you don't have to ask Rankham to learn that. <laughs> Just level him. He's great against the final boss that way. <laughs> his persona gets worse after its second awakening. That's a separate topic. Uh-huh. <laughs> Some cool ass pirate to whatever. <laughs> well, the answer you provide did not include the word pirate a second time, so yeah, it I, sounds bad. Yeah. It's pirate squared now, you have my attention. It's a pirate on two ships. Mm. I mean, Anne's one went from one person or two people to four, so I mean, why couldn't yeah. he? Well, you got Makoto's that goes from motor. Makoto's also gets worse, even though it gets pretty goddamn cool. Because from motorcycle to like just mecha thing, and I'm like, man, motorcycle was cooler. Motorcycle mecha thing. I mean, in its defense, it the motorcycle had a face, so it was still like a motorcycle mecha. It's just now a mecha transformation. I, I liked I the fact that she was riding the motorcycle. It was a, it was a unique summon animation that I thought was cool. It was a nice little touch because yeah. she was on the motorcycle and she would like drive it to do the summon. Yeah. I wish they spent yeah. more time on some of the later animations when people were ripping off their masks for the first time that they really dwelled on how painful it is to rip one of those fuckers off. 
Yeah. Because by the end, with like Haro, it's just like, Band-Aid. Like, no. The first well, time this happened, this person was bleeding from the face. Well, Haro was also like partially exposed at that point, too. Yeah. I I think that game needs some reordering because like Haru is a fantastic S Link. Like it's the she may be my favorite S Link in the game, actually. And I've never except, gotten past three with her. Except she shows up so fucking late in the game and uh the skill you the, need to have for her is so specific and you need to spend the yeah. time to get it. No, and I, I was gonna say that now actually. All of the like Four had some problems with them gating some of the really cool story in that game behind those skill checks. Five, it was, oh, it was bad in five. Like, there was some, like, the fact you could not progress some shit where it's like, okay, I guess I'm going to get the burger again. Why? Because I need to grind all of this shit up. Like, in the four, like, way worse than four. Mm -hmm. why, why are so many of these things rank five? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I the fact that like you meet Iwa really early on or Iwaya whatever his name is super early on in the game and you can get the option to hang out with him early on. But, like I didn't get it till halfway through because I was like, fuck, I have to have max courage. Shit. Mm -hmm. That's not happening anytime soon. Yeah, you need to be all the way at max to do so many things. Like I pretty much halted probably first somewhere in the first like quarter of the game to just dedicate all of my time to upranking yeah. charm so I could go talk to uh, Makoto. Like, it's like, okay, now the game's on pause so I can go rank this rank so I can yeah. rank her. And all that time spent was definitely not doing the rank of skills I needed to get to Haru. So when she became a yeah. male, I was like, I can't... Could I S-rank you by the end of the game? Sure. Could I S-rank you and get a skill to rank five and everything else I'm doing? Not a chance. No. Yeah. And also, yeah. Or, I don't think there was very good um, jobs for, or what job would have given you um, the diligence or whatever she needed? I don't remember even. I, yeah. I don't think there was one. Yeah, there may not have been. The jobs were a oh, little bit it, different. It was crafting tools, and the issue was I crafted a um, master lockpick super early on in that game, so it didn't matter. So I, I haven't crafted anything ever. I never ran out of lockpicks. <laughs> I I didn't... Uh, you did better... Go, uh, I chose to focus on the socializing in that game. I suspect yeah. you did a much better job of grinding that stuff out before than I did. No, not really. I just made them in Fair. class. Yeah, I didn't unlock that option early on enough, I guess. Okay. I, I, I Probably my second S rank was the teachers. It was like, I need knights to be free. This unlocks so much of the yeah. game if I could just get this one S rank done. Yeah. Um, and it's such a weird S rank too, because it's like, not only is it rare, but it's expensive. Oh yeah, she fucking almost bankrupted me. Yep. I regret not like looking up like a guide on her because it is economic. Like, she is worth looking up a guide because it's like, any items that I can buy in game to give her to make her want to go to the next tier sooner will I didn't be economically safe for me. Neither did I. Oh, the item system? That was yeah. super punishing if you did not look it up yeah. early. And I didn't. I bought like all the items early. I was like, and just giving them out to everyone. They're like, oh, gee, thanks. Yeah. And it was even more super unfortunate because the first one I did, I got completely right. 
So I was like, oh, you just give them whatever you want. They'll just always be happy. And I was just yep. totally fucking wrong. I just got lucky once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, it's it's weird. Like, I think it's, despite being two games of the same franchise, Persona 4 and Persona 5 are tonally and a variety of other things very different games. And I don't disagree with you. I think Persona 4 I liked more. But the, the other issue, too, is you know what Persona's about after your first Persona game. And, like, I, when, when I got to the end of Persona 5, it's like, hey, you're going to go fight God. I'm like, son of a bitch, not again. <laughs> I'm so sick of this. Like, I liked, the, I, I liked what I thought was the ending of 5. It's like, oh, you're going to go kill God now. And I'm like, no, I don't like this. <laughs> I did this once already. Mm-hmm. It's the God of Society. Fuck. <laughs> giant cup isn't it? it's a giant fucking cup i got really into the memento system in five i guess i i enjoyed the separation of randomly generated dungeon and very specifically laid out castles i i hate procedure generated dungeons in four i think it's a failing of that game because it's like they're boring as a result mm-hmm. I, and i love i love the castles in five they just have so much personality that's fair I mean, the pres- the ones in four are just they're just dated, is yeah. what they are. Well, and I think it's you could have done less dated versions of them that would have held up better. Like, but again, it's because they're randomly generated from parts. It's like okay, yeah, the bathhouse one, that one has a ton of personality, except for the fact that it's the same room over and over and over and over and over. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I fucking hate mementos. And now that I'm in yeah. three, I hate the tower. Because yep. I don't like these like endless grinds without a yep. foreseeable end to them. And Mementos, I never looked up that there even was an end to it. And Mementos, I never entered anywhere near the correct level for it. I was always way too powerful for what I was there for. So it was always just so boring walking through like, and I wait for you to die. And well, I wait so- for you to die. And I were you at the that. were you at the end of Mementos before the end of the game or no? Yes. Okay, that's not say you have to be. I think the answer is probably but yes. It was actually. only by like it wasn't by a large it wasn't by a large margin, but I was because or the game got me to a point. They're like, I wonder if that do- door at the bottom of Mementos is important. And apparently, when they said that, they didn't actually mean to go to it. So I did, and then I got there, and they're like, Oh yeah, this is locked. I was like, Fuck you. Um. Yeah, because I was all the way at the end of all the dungeons, even before that happened. It's like, yeah, I've been down here doing stuff. I've been doing all those side quests that involve Mementos. But I'd also save as many up as possible and then do, like, seven of them at once. Yeah. That would get frustrating, too. It's like, okay, you need to fight your way six levels this way and then, like, try and figure out, like, okay, what's the best route to get through Mementos to spend the least amount of memento- time in Mementos? Yeah, you could, you could warp around some, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. It was not devoid of its problems. I I like the idea of it, I guess. The whole idea, it's like it's the collective consciousness's dungeon. I'm like, okay, this matches the rest of this game, which oh, is plot-wise, yeah, no, I have no yeah. problem with the Mementos plot-wise. It's just the, like, beat this on your own time. What if I don't want to come down here and fight the enemies I've already fought in the dungeons? Well, then, too fucking bad. I got really into the Pokemon aspect of that game, so I was down there, like, grinding out guys to build high-end personas. 
Oh, I never did any of that. I got really into that. I looked up a. That was one of the few guys I looked up was on how to rank uh, Justine and Caroline. And by the end, I was like, nah. <laughs> but like rank three, they're like, okay, you need to save Scum the following one because it's based on RNG. Yep. I was like, okay, you lost me. Yep. Um. So yeah, that's yeah. That was that. Well, so and I guess the biggest spoiler from Persona Five we should talk about is. How did you feel at the uh, at the Igor reveal? Igor reveal of why he has a fucking different sounding voice. I mean, it felt kind of obvious when I saw it. Um, I didn't like go. Okay, when does Igor betray me? I've been. I'm kind of used to Igor looks fucking evil. Yeah, and he's not typically, but he's just like, hello, I'm Igor. You seem to have met with an unfortunate fate, which is welcome to the Velvet Room. Like. He's just fucking creepy. He's got huge eyebrows yeah. and a huge nose. Yep. Or the nose, as Maria calls him. Or Marie. Not Maria. Maria. The Marie calls him. And uh, it's like, he's just fucking creepy. And he's the goddamn mascot, along with, like, Jack Frost. Um, yeah. Who shows up everywhere. Yeah. He's on, like, all the vending machines. And he's a persona. It both old varieties of persona. And he's on the video game cabinets. Yeah. Um, they love Jack Frost. He's a cool character. Um, no pun intended. Well, uh, God. I thought we fired that guy. Yeah, me too. Um, but he will never listen to this, ideally. <laughs> um, what was he saying? Um, I'm getting, Igor. What? Igor. Igor? Yeah. I mean, I was never off-put by his voice change, yeah. really. But... Yeah, I like the new voice person. Like, okay, he's the warden now. Yeah, he's got a gruffer-sounding voice. Cool. I'm like, whatever. Makes sense. Yeah. He very much was... Um, he It was almost off-putting when he changed back to his normal voice. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Well, the, now the you sound thing, weird. He, he goes back. He's like, oh, right. You have a kind of like velvety-sounding voice normally. I'm like, I like the gruffer one. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it so much that I'm like, okay, I wish this was in Persona 4 and 3, but, like, yeah, it, it, it was an interesting change of pace. I mean, it is nice yeah. seeing the differences between the two games. Like, I do like yeah. the fact that the games aren't verbatim the same. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I do like so, the mechanical dif- that they are mechanically different. Yeah, and I like how each game has its own very unique sense of style, and, like, 5, they crank the style switch to a billion like just everything the fusions were executions and other dumb stuff like that's like damn this game is dark and i dig it yeah, i felt bad killing some or uh executing personas every now and again yeah some of them i was like you're an asshole get out of here yeah did you ever have a persona fusion misfire yes that thing is fucked when that happens oh yeah and caroline and justine get out the goddamn chainsaw yep apparently that can happen in four i just didn't know it yeah it's just so freaking rare yeah it took me like all the way till end game before that finally happened i also don't find myself i don't craft that often i'm much more likely to, like a lock in on a persona i like use it for forever or get to the final dungeon and oh these ones are just better than anything else i got and i just wind up with all the personas i get in the final dungeon yeah I like min-maxing. Mm-hmm. I was only trying to make perfect personas that had, like, stupid... Well, and to that point, like, there's a couple boss fights in that game 
that became laughably easy for me because it's like, oh, I have recover on all of your attacks. Let's do this. Yeah. You do wind up getting into that. Yeah. Yeah, I I can highly recommend both. I think actually five, aside from the fact that finding four is a monumentally more challenging task with every passing year, five's gameplay makes it slightly easier to enter into in some ways. It's smoother. But I do think I, it's hard to say which one I think is better. I think four... Four, I think, four, can single-handedly yeah. justify a PSTV. Yes, I, I, yes, and I do agree with that. Yeah, that's totally, that's absolutely the case. Four um, can totally justify PSTV, and you can also get three to go with it if you want. I believe. Yeah. Yep. Um, which you is can. A bonus. Five yep. is definitely going to be much easier to be to just get your hands on. Yeah, and it, getting into it, I think, is easier. Like the combat's a little more fluid. It's the menus are a lot better. Like that game doubles down its style. It looks better. Like it's beyond better graphics. Like just some of the stuff they choose to do is cool. Mm-hmm. Like the menu system. Yep. Like just the style of that game is like it's appreciable even if you're not like yeah in the Persona franchise. Like my first ex- experience with the Persona franchise was my roommate showed me a leaked image of the end fight cutscene from Persona 5 before the game came out. And he had played 3, and he was like, yeah, no, this uh, cutscene thing's pretty cool that came out. You should see it. And I looked at it, and I was like, oh, that is kind of cool. And then you started raving about 4, and I was yep. like, okay, this is the predecessor to that thing with that really cool cutscene. Maybe the predecessor has some stuff. And then it turns out Persona 4 had some fucking shit. Yep. <laughs> um, And then 5, just like, those ending cutscenes never really got old. Like, all the way up to the end. Which one was your favorite? Um, probably the car. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did like Makoto, like, actually doing, like, I think she did, like, actual, like, punching, like, karate or something. It's like, yeah. other than just, like, kneeling down or doing something random. Yeah. Um, I, I, I always liked Fu, um, Haru's. Haru's one? I, hate, I hated Haru's outfit. I loved her finisher though, where it's like fucking classy. <laughs> oh, you mean, grenade launcher. Oh, you mean those things? The uh, yeah, she got the French like Le Fin one. Yeah. Um, uh, out of those, let's see, Joker's is okay. Um, Makoto's is pretty awesome. The way she just like yeah. does the stand forward thing. power stance. Yeah. Anne's is just kawaii. So. Yeah. Um, Haro's is awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm blanking on a lot of them because I'm trying to like search back in the memory banks. I beat the game probably close to a month ago. Yusuke's looks cool. Um, it's got a nice art style to it. I, mm-hmm. a catchy you only had for such a short time. I, the fucking a catchy plot twist I think was like the weakest part of that game where it's like he's obviously the bad guy. Oh yeah. He's obviously the bad guy. He's obviously the bad guy. Can I get his laser sword? <laughs> Pretty much. It's like, Akechi is clearly the bad person. Now you can tell. Well, he's not on the box art, so... Yeah. <laughs> Technically, he's on the outside box, but he's not on the inside box cover. It's like, yeah. mm, this isn't totally a sign. Yeah, when he showed up as a guy you could play with, I'm like, I... <laughs> yeah. 
They They're did. obviously going to betray us. Yeah. Yeah, his betrayal was pretty fucking obvious, and then his change of heart was pretty non-explained. I, and that was kind of... Uh. His entire character, I think it, uh, the best measure is you could leave him entirely out of the game and like replace with just generic police officer guy and minus, hey, I was the serial killer all along. Mm-hmm. You could have the exact same story. I, I think it's that's how weak a character he is. He's just kind of there. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's very much a non-factor, and a lot of his banter with, like, Sai is, like, trivial? Yeah, and it goes one step further where it's like, man, you're just a piece of shit high schooler who's like, oh, I work for the police. Like, yeah, fuck you, too. It's like, I'll, I'll be honest. Naoto working for the police was a suspension of disbelief. Yeah. You working for them is hugely a Yeah, a certain level of like, who the fuck would trust you? Yeah. You have red eyes and are the shadiest motherfucker ever. Yeah. Naoto is one hard-boiled motherfucker at yeah. the end of the day. It's like, how did Naoto become a cop? Have you talked to the kid? My God, what else is that kid going to do when they grow up? Yeah. And then you meet Akechi's like, Hi, I'm I'm soft spoken and I, I I just want to be the world's most popular police officer. I'm fuck a pop you. idol. Yeah. Yeah, fuck. You know Naoto has her own game, right? Does she really? I think so, yeah. I'm not sure if it ever came out in the US or came out, but there is a game that's like Naoto Crime Adventures or something where she's like got long hair and is a cop. Oh my god, that sounds amazing. It might be a graphic it might be a visual novel or something, but yeah, I think she has her own game. Uh, unfortunately, searching Dota. Naoto Persona game brings up Naoto King's game, um, which is the when they went to the club and they played the King's game. Um, see, do they have a list? Regardless, of yeah. yeah, I'll need to look that I, up. Yeah. No, I guess like I probably starting to wind this one down some. I. As much as it kind of missed occasionally, I loved the whole internet thing in 5, like the fact it was a character and it was the embodiment of society. I I could have done without our dear friend um, uh, Mishima, but I, I liked how it was like, hey, you have this gauge that detects per popularity and shit like that. I'm like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I can I like it. I like the scrolling text that went with it. Yeah. Fake. <laughs> Like a I'm a little sad I got sick of those scenes where it'd be like the cityscape and they'd pop text bubbles up. I'm like, I don't like this, but the text down the bottom during loading, this I can dig. I actually, I actually loved those, and every single time I would like air throw a knife at the screen. <laughs> I, I, I made my own mini game out of that. Fair, yeah. I just uh, they happened one too many times and they went on a little bit too long. It's like, okay, yeah, I get the joke, I get the joke. Also, you're totally right. Persona X Detective Nauto. Nauto is the main character in this spin-off novel. However, whether or not this novel is canon is unknown. All right. Well, I know what I'm getting. <laughs> that and unfortunately a copy of uh, Dancing All Night because uh, I need to complete the Persona verse. Yeah, at least the Persona of them now. Oh, at least the Persona Four verse. Sure. I think Dancing on Light is canon, sadly. Oh, no, it, uh, it is. And someone's using the Midnight Channel again. Like, oh, my God, this fucking rhythm game's a goddamn murder mystery. Ugh. Yeah. Damn it, now I'm interested.
dance to death, motherfucker. Pretty much. Yeah. Do you got anything big you want to talk about Persona 4 or 5 with, or are you pretty good for now? Say, I'm probably pretty good. Um, yeah. I'm I, looking uh, forward to more Persona 3, I guess, is probably the next big thing for me. Yeah, I, I, Persona 3, 4, and 5 are definitely the most... And Nocturne. They're the Personas you can... Yeah, yeah. Nocturne is its own special beast. Like, as okay. much as I fucking love Nocturne, it is hard to recommend Nocturne because that game is like some PS2 era slam your genitalia in a door hard JRPG. <laughs> That's fair. Three, four, and five in the Persona franchise. Like, they're the. Don't go back to one and two. One and two were kind of bad and get kind of weird towards the end and have some real problems gameplay-wise. 3, 4, and 5 are kind of a nice contemporary, very well-done modern JRPG. Mm -hmm. And they're different from each other. They all kind of focus on slightly different things, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, so Waifu from 5, which one? Uh, do, 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 do. I think I went with Anne. Which, in That's hindsight, she was definitely choice. the weakest one, but, like, I, I started with her, so I was like, I'll finish with you. That's fair. Actually, no, yeah, it was definitely Anne. And the thing is, is, overall, she's a likable character. It's just yeah. her character development, she didn't develop. She started and ended the same damn person. And that's, I'm hot. I'm still hot. Yeah. Like, as a person, she's still a likable individual. It's just she yeah. never... She had no major dilemma to really solve. Just someone else is trying to be better at me, better than me. I guess I better try my hardest. Congrats that you have recognized the struggles of the everything. So of the anyone. So her arc pissed me off where it's like, man, I'm so good at being a model and I don't try at all. I'm like, fuck you. And then someone who's actively trying starts doing better than her. She's like, yeah. how could this happen? Um, pretty obvious, actually. Yes. <laughs> They care. You don't, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was Makoto. That makes sense. Yep. I, I liked Makoto. Takami was a strong second. Takami's a good, yeah. I, it, it, it was one of the where Takami showed up, and I'm like, that's the one that Makoto showed up. I'm like, nope, that one is. <laughs> yeah, they did have a little... Uh... Did they have anything where... Oh, yeah, actually, okay, they did have a scene where... Um, I was trying to remember, in 4, there's a very clear moment where all your t level 10 S ranks start showing up, and in 5, it's in there. It's just much more subtle. Yeah. And its impact is a little... or It's a little less impactful. It's just someone be like, clap if you believe in them, and the other one's more like, get up, you're going to die. Yeah. They're the same scenario. They just play out. It's hard to yeah, explain why they play out Very different. different games. Yeah. Very different games. I, When Persona 6 happens, I don't want to kill God at the end. I, But at the same time, like I totally want Persona 6 to be delinquents. I, I, I've doubled down on that stance. Where I'm like, no, no. I want the failure school. I want like, the Yakuza to be a thing in this game. Mm -hmm. Oh, I want that so bad. <laughs> I want you to be the biggest punk-ass character ever. And it's not an investigation crew or your um, thief squad. It's a straight-up gang. Hmm. 
you're recruiting a gang. That's all I want from Persona 6. <laughs> and I want to be Cromartie High. Whatever the high school in Gantz is. Basically. No, I, I... So far, the Persona games typically focus on, like, upstanding students. I want, like, fucking failure burnout student that the story is basically, like, pull yourself up from being a human piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of writes itself at that point. It's like, it's like you are going nowhere and will wind up dead because gang violence. Stop that from happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, speaking of endings, actually, uh, did you pick up on the fact that every single game over for the different dungeons was different? Every single game over for the different If you dungeons? let the clock run out for each one of them, they had a different game over. Oh, no, I never... Yeah. I never ran out of time. I'm Me like you, either, I but... beat everyone on, like, day two. Yeah. Just get in there and start wrecking shit. Mm-hmm. Just do the dungeon first. Why? Because then you have the rest of the goddamn month. <laughs> yeah. That about does it. Thank you for listening if you stayed for the Persona spoiler cast. Uh, here it is, as promised. Yes. I can stop promising it, but, um, yeah, I... We've thrown ourselves off. Uh, if you want, if, if you'd like to ask more about Persona, email us at the email mentioned earlier. But I, I believe Alex may or may not be back next week. Shifty eyes, shifty eyes. Mm. But yeah, you want to take us out, Jeff? Cue the metal. Ah!